Hello, listeners. You are about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans, and it is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I'm what you would call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2021 MLB postseason. Enjoy. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 28. We're coming at you live here on Monday, October 4th. It's about 9.20 at night. Uh, Alex, we're about uh, less than 24 hours before the madness and the chaos starts of the MLB postseason. That's right. Um, the eve of the AL wildcard game. And so we kind of have a jam-packed episode, of course, today because the season's over, the postseason is starting, Best time of the year, pretty much, because the excitement begins, and this is what we've all been waiting for. 162 games. The marathon is officially over. The teams are in. Um, 163 did not happen, which, for me, I was a little bit relieved, but, you know, some people, of course, want to see chaos. I like a little order. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, fun. that's funny you say that. I That makes a lot of sense, just knowing you as a baseball guy. You just, I think the Yankees-Red Sox that we're going to get, we'll get into that later, folks, but just that kind of, that kind of, uh, familiar matchup it's going to be a treat for us i believe it will be and, and me and alex this weekend we're in up in seattle watching the angels play the mariners which was a really big game we saw saturday night um i i was talking to some people they said it was probably one of the biggest mariners games in the last 20 years um which is actually really exciting to see that we were at that one of those games um and back-to-back weekends you know a great game at fenway and then a great game at t-mobile park um really cool baseball to see but uh, what a crazy Sunday we saw with just the games and, you know, every game starting at the same time and every game pretty much almost finishing at the same time and just kind of the chaos every single inning building up all the drama. Um, it was such an excitement to see. And now that it's officially here, the playoffs, um, we can kind of relax and just enjoy. But uh, today's episode, uh, me and Alex are, of course, going to be talking about um, the all MLB team. It's finally over. The 2021 all MLB team, our picks, our solidified picks for um, who really reigned supreme at their position. We'll go over that. We'll go over the starting five, the closer. Um, and then also as well, we're going to go over our awards for the 2021 campaign. Um, go over kind of our top five picks for the AL and the NL MVP, Cy Young. We're going to go over our first, second, and third picks for the AL and NL Rookie of the Years and also Manager of the Year. So kind of cover... A big summary of what's happened in 2021. Go over the top performers um, and kind of just discuss, you know, our where we see them kind of in the rankings. And then, of course, we'll talk about, uh, you know, the previews that we'll be seeing uh, for the Red Sox Yankees wild card game and the Dodgers Cardinals wild card game. And then get into the league division series. Maybe touch a little bit on the league championship series and then who we see in the World Series and kind of give our bracket and our um, thoughts and all that stuff. But Alex. We'll start right now and just kind of kick it off with the all MLB team. Kind of get that out of the way. Um, this is our starting nine for the 2021 season. Um, and I'll start off with you, Alex. Uh, we'll kind of kick it off right now with the uh, the catching position. Yeah. Um, it's been interesting the past couple months. Um, I'm looking to, looking forward to hear 
who you have. Oh, it sounds good. Uh, just a, a quick side note to the folks. If you hear any uh, rumblings in the background, we're in the middle of a, a thunderstorm in our in our hometown. So if you hear some, some rumbling, that, that's what that is. But just as a heads up to you all. But uh, for back to the action, my catcher, Travis, is, uh, you know, I, I had him last week, so that's a bit of a spoiler. Um, I'm going with Buster Posey again. Uh, just going off some of his numbers really quickly, um, a 304 batting average, a 390 on base percentage, a 499 slugging percentage. That's good for a, a 140 uh, WRC plus, which is, you know, up there with some of the MVP guys, to be quite honest. Um, he's up there above guys like Semyon, up there above guys like uh, Jose Ramirez, up there, you know, above a guy like Cedric Mullins. These are guys who are getting, you know, gonna get MVP votes and this is coming from you know my catcher who is an above average defender and he got 4.9 fangraphs war um he walked in 12.3 percent of his plate appearances um a one knock against him might be his uh plate appearances but he did have 454 plate appearances um I'm very okay with that number some other catchers may have more some other catchers may have less I think that number is a number mm-hmm. I feel okay with for my starting catcher Travis, let me hear who you got for your catcher for your automobile team. Yeah, so we start the podcast off with uh, a little bit of a disagreement right here. And, I, fi- I and, figured. And, you know, it's the same one that I had last month. Um, the guy really snuck in, and um, right now he currently has two of the three Triple Crown numbers uh, for all the MLB, uh, tied with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But uh, for home runs. But that is Salvador Perez for my all-MLB 2021 catcher. Um, you know, the percentage numbers, that's definitely going to go to Posey. That's going to go to Posey in a big way because um, the on-base and the batting is definitely Posey's to take. Um, one little thing is is that Salvador, of course, played 161 games this year at catcher. So pretty much was an iron horse behind home plate. Posey, on the other hand, I think he played about 110 to maybe 120 games um, behind home plate. So the percentage stats might favor him a little bit, but still had a great year when it comes to average and on-base. Um, for me, Salvador being number one in the MLB, tied for first in home runs, and being first place in MLB in RBIs. I just thought that was such a crazy, crazy finish to his season. You know, we, I think the, the past three weeks we've been hearing, can Vladdy get the triple crown? Can he kind of push Otani out of the first place spot of the MVP if he gets the triple crown? And then this guy Salvador Perez just came up and pretty much just stole the show, took the home runs and took the RBIs away from Vladdy and everybody else in the MLB. And uh, pretty much walked in the end of the season uh, with the lead in both of those. So I give him a lot of credit with that. I mean, playing 161 games, I mean, I just can't imagine how much of a toll that is on your body. And still being able to perform like that, very, very impressive that I thought. Um, had a lot of strikeouts, of course. Uh, you know, strikeouts are high for Salvador. Had She had a career-high year in strikeouts, um, which you never want to see. But it was crazy. I also had a career-high year in total bases at 337 Saw a pretty interesting stat today, Alex. He is third all-time for catchers in total bases in a season. Um, first place is a tie between Johnny Bench and Mike Piazza in um, each of their individual years. And both of those players, those years where they had 355 total bases, both of them won the MVP in their respective leagues, leagues those years. So um, really impressive to see Salvador only you know 20 total bases behind those two. Um, for all time and you know doing it on a team that really just wasn't really that much excitement um, this year and you know really carrying the load for the Kansas City Royals so I give it to Salvador 
Um, I definitely know where you're coming at with the percentage numbers, but I just think I look at the the two bold numbers, the two italicized bold numbers, home runs and RBIs. That's really impressive for me as a catcher. Um, the most home runs for a catcher has ever had in Major League Baseball history. Um, I got to give it to Salvi this year. Yeah, um, I I can't. I, I know going into this that, you know, I'm not going to be able to convince you. You're not going to be able to convince me, right? <laughs> yeah, I think both yeah. of our, our minds are kind of made up. One thing I will point out that, you know, a lot of people might not know is Salvador Perez did have 20 games where at some point in that game he was playing DH. Okay. So uh, Posey only has one such game because the Giants NL have such... the Right. Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. So I, I guess one AL game uh, where they were playing against an AL West team, he did uh, have a DH appearance. But um, even sliding over to first base, something that Posey's done in the past did not happen this year. He had 10 pinch hit appearances, but 103 games behind the plate, whereas Salvador had 120 games behind the plate. If you're looking at just catching only, which is not what we're doing. Obviously, you know, yeah. primary catcher. And that's very true, though, too. All, all the stats hold, hold true that, you know. But it, it is kind of worth noting that, I guess, even when Perez needs a day off from catching, he can slide over to DH. Because the team has openings there, whereas Posey can't really slide to first because they have good good players like yeah, Belt very true. Um, taking that spot. Just a thing I noticed. Um, but yeah, you know the counting stats, especially in terms of the power counting stats, are in the favor of Perez for sure. The games played is um, it's a big deal for a catcher to like be above above one hundred sixty is something you pretty much never see. I feel like so hats off to him on a good year. But yeah, for me. Um, the rate-based stats, especially with like the WRC plus and like the OPS plus numbers for Perez, um, they're pretty low just because of the not great walking. But you know, like, like I said, philosophical differences, um, and there's no problem with that at all. So um, I think it's we're good to switch over to first base, Travis. Where I'm gonna assume we have less of a disagreement as we've <laughs> as as the way it's been all season. Yes, it's gonna go Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, uh, what a hell of a finish in that last series too. I mean. Was able to tie Salvador for the home runs, uh, tie tie for first in all MLB with Salvador for home runs. So uh, Guerrero has just been a juggernaut this whole entire year. Um, I mean, you really can't say much. I mean, he has just been such a great hitter this year. Um, I'm interested to see who you have at first base. Yeah, first base, it's going to be Guerrero Jr. <laughs> uh, the Charles, the plate appearances is at 698. That's a huge number. A lot. A lot. That's a huge number. 48 homers, like you said. I have 29 doubles written down as well. Uh, he walks, and he doesn't strike out that much compared to other power hitters. 311 average, 401 on base, 601 slugging, 166 uh, WRC+. Plus. I mean, he leads, you know, he, he probably is the most complete hitter at the plate this year. Yeah. It's probably between uh, him or Juan Soto, maybe, or Bryce Harper. Those are kind of the three names that are in my head. Definitely, but, definitely. Um, yeah, in terms of in terms of the American League, he is the premier bat this season for sure. He mm-hmm. gets that first base slot pretty easily. We can move on to second base now, Travis. Second base, I'll start it off. Um, I have Marcus Semien. This is a position that's kind of flipped back and forth for me throughout the year. But the last couple months, I have stuck with Marcus Semien. He just re- uh, remained strong. He's remained kind of steady on course. Uh, 724. Plate appearances is a huge, huge number. He played every single game this season, which is, it's, um, I don't even know how to value it really because it's just, your team can trust that you're going to be there day in, day out. It's just a huge deal, of course. Also kind of shows that he's not very injury prone or he's able to kind of work through that kind of stuff, which is awesome because I know the A's benefited from his durability in 2019 and the Blue Jays did this year in 2021. 
Um, the other big standout stat for Semyon is 45 home runs, Travis. 45 home runs, 39 doubles, 15 stolen bases. These are some crazy numbers to see out of a second baseman. Um, honestly, Travis, could be one of the best offensive second base seasons we've seen since guys like Joe Morgan or even going back to guys like Rogers Hornsby. This is an elite offensive year. Um, the average the average, and the on-base don't really agree with that, like 365 average, 334 on-base. But just looking at the counting stats, he had so many plate appearances, and he was on such an offensively stacked team, right in the middle of it, usually batting second or third. Um, it really helped some of his numbers. And yeah, like I said, the 45 homers, 39 doubles, 15 steals, that speaks for itself. He was a, a, an easy pick for me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, 100%. The Blue Jays' right side infield was uh, all-time, all-time great infield this year. Uh, both guys were unbelievable. I mean, I, I want to look back and see when the last time a second-base, first-base duo on the same team in the same year combined for almost 95 homers. You know, mm-hmm. both guys had 45-plus home runs. Um, I think the, the total would be 93 home runs. But, I mean, just going back to Marcus Semi in the last couple of years, uh you know, the last two full seasons, 2019 and 2020 or 2021, uh, he has combined for almost 80 home runs. That's why. I mean, it's pretty insane to see that he has almost combined for 80 home runs the last two full seasons. Uh, has really just kind of picked up the power. Um, and, you know, when I see second base and I see 45 home runs, I mean, you almost have to just give the respect right there. Uh-huh. The average and the on-base could be a little higher, but you know what? I mean, when you see 45 home runs and 100 RBIs um, and even 39 doubles, you, I, you just got to give the respect. And it was a slick defending year for him as well. Definitely. Um, as, at shortstop in the past, he was not the best defender. Switching to, switching to second base, I was a little maybe a tad bit concerned just because you're not a great shortstop defender and then you're moving positions to a place yeah. that might be a little foreign to you. But there was no problems there for him. Not this season, at least. Almost remind me of a, of a Jeff Ken. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you look at the power stats, you know, a righty bat that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, definitely. So yeah, once again, we are agreeing. Now moving on to third base, Travis. I wonder if we're going to continue agreeing. This is a spot where we had disagreement last month. I know. Um, last month I went with Jose Ramirez, and you went with Rafael Devers. This month I'm sticking with Jose Ramirez. Uh, Jose Ramirez this season. I have him down as 36 home runs, 32 doubles, 27 stolen bases. I really like those numbers. It's just like almost almost similar to Semyon and a little bit less power, but a lot more steals. 27 steals for Ramirez is always just shocking. I think he, in my mind, might be one of the best base runners in all of baseball. Not, not, not speed-wise, but just instincts on the base paths. He steals bases, and he does it really efficiently, and he rounds the bases really smooth. He goes first to third real quick. Um, a 266 average, 355 on base, 538 slugging. Same exact slugging as Simeon, actually. Um, and a very similar average, walks more than Simeon. Um, different position, I'm just kind of see these comparisons. 137 WRC plus for Jose Ramirez, 6.4 fan graphs for. I, I, I just really like his season. I guess one knock is he's down at 636 uh, plate appearances, and some other guys might have more, but I do think Jose Ramirez is the most complete third baseman. He's my, I think he's a superstar. I think he's my, he's my third baseman for this season. So this actually was the last position I filled out for this team. It was, it came down to the wire. Um, Devers and Ramirez were my final two guys. Um, I took a deeper look at it actually earlier this afternoon. And um, 
yeah, came to the conclusion Jose Ramirez is the Ooh, guy. Ooh, wow. You know, I, I, of course, I look at the war, and the war almost doubles Devers. And, I mean, I like war. I'm not going to be a huge guy when it comes to, oh, if, if, I'm not going to rank a team based on war. I want to look at other stats, too. But um, the war almost doubled Devers, and um, 27 stolen bases. I mean, I mean, he almost had a 30-30 season. I mean, I, 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 I really couldn't believe that. It's, 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 yeah, it's 27 stolen bases out of a, a third baseman who has power, like a traditional power switch hitting third baseman, and he just happens to be the best base runner you've probably yeah, have in your I, team. I, I mean, I, I couldn't believe that. And then also looking at defense too, better defensive third baseman than Devers. Devers is known mm-hmm. to have you know a lot of errors at throw over at the hot corner, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Ramirez had a great season, and I mean, the numbers were so close together. I was, look, I was literally comparing every single stat on Baseball Reference, and they were just almost five or so, you know, points away from one another, uh-huh. and so it, they were right neck and neck. But I saw the, I saw twenty-seven stolen bases, and I was just like, wow, I, I cannot believe you, it that it, you know, we almost had a 30-30 season from Jose Ramirez. So really impressive from that. So I went Jose Ramirez. He is the third baseman of twenty twenty-one. Um, so I'm glad we actually agree on that. Yeah. 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 I'm glad we agree too. Uh, Devers had a great year, a breakout year for sure. And a great last game to get the Red Sox in. Oh so. yeah. He deserves all the praise. We saw him hit a home run of Garrett Cole. He's going to be trying to do it again this week in the wild card game. But yeah, uh, if you just look at it there, the bat is almost, you could almost say the bat is a tie or a slight Devers favor, but when the defense and the base running are both a big plus for Ramirez in the comparison, I think that's why we both kind of came to the same conclusion. Definitely. So moving on to shortstop Travis, this one has been a bit tricky because it has. <laughs> a couple of the best shortstops in all of baseball ended the season playing other positions. Uh, the guys I'm referring to, of course, are uh, Fernando Tatis became an outfielder because of an injury, uh, wanted to kind of protect his shoulder, and then Trey Turner gets traded to a team that already has Corey Seager playing short. So, of course, the Dodgers put him at second base. Um just uh, gonna, I'm just gonna air it out. Fernando Tatis Jr. was my pick. Um, there's a lot of arguments I could see against him. Um, the plate appearances are a little bit low, and obviously not a lot of shortstop play time in the second half of the season. But in my mind, when you look at his 2021, you're gonna say he was a primary shortstop. And so if I have to put him in a category, it's the shortstop category. And I'm not gonna, you know, penalize him in my mind at least because he had to switch based on an injury. Um, so I'm just gonna stick with him at shortstop. So Tatis is my guy. 42 home runs, 31 doubles, 25 stolen bases, and this is on, uh, you know, a year with multiple IL stints. So getting to 42 home runs, with yeah, 42 home runs compared to Guerrero's 48. Guerrero uh, and Salvador led the league, uh, led all of baseball. Um, Tatis is only six home runs behind them, but 150 less plate appearances. So that told me, you know, had he been healthy, we could have seen an all-time great shortstop season from Tatis. He was not healthy, which is why I have pause. But I think, uh, you know, the 282 average, 364 on base, 611 slugging, one of the best WRC pluses in baseball this season. I had to stick with Tatis um, at the shortstop position. Even though this season you could argue he's not a true shortstop, Travis, where did you end up on this kind of tricky position? Looks like we're having a very similar infield. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah, <clears throat> you know Tatis. The big thing for me, of course, was did he play enough games at shortstop? Because there's a guy like Carlos Correa who had a great year. Uh-huh. Um, war numbers were 
off the charts. Bogarts had a great year. Correa, um, yeah, I thought Correa had a really good year. And so I wanted to look, of course, at the shortstop numbers. You know, I think he got hurt. Um, his last game at shortstop before the injury was July 30th, and then he came back and started playing again August 15th. So it took about a two-week break in August, and you know, then started playing center field and right field a lot. But actually came back to shortstop September 10th. So he actually finished off the, the month of September playing shortstop almost every single day. And so I, fi I figured to myself, you know, he has played about, you know, over, you know, 80% of the games this year mm -hmm. at, you know, the shortstop position. So yeah. I still give him the shortstop nod. Um, and, you know, you, you said it best, 42 home runs, and I see 130 games played. If the guy played a, another month, we could be looking at a 50 home run season with 30 stolen bases you know, 110, 115 RBIs. Uh, I mean, we could be looking at, like you said, one of the greatest shortstop seasons of all time. He was on track early on. He yeah. was the MVP early on. Um, of course, with injuries kind of slowing down, I think also the team's momentum kind of wearing down on him. Some things happened, but, you know, led the NL in home runs, and that's still something you can't forget. Uh, I mean, I'm very excited to see, uh, you know, Fernando Tatis in the future, he is having some pretty insane, um, you know, first career years, you know, first years of his career, um, 22 only this season. So uh, we're going to see a special ball player keep on maturing and developing. Um, and I think 50 home runs is definitely reachable for this guy. I mean, he hit a home run at a Dodger stadium this week. Right. Over the pavilion, over the awning. It was crazy. The to power see. is unbelievable. So, yeah. Shortstop, Fernando Tatis is the guy, um, and I think he he would be you know the guy almost from day one, if not injuries, but um, definitely the guy at shortstop. But we'll move now to the outfield, Alex. Three outfield spots. I'll let you go first. Give me the three outfield spots. I'll give you mine, and we can kind of discuss where we where we kind of see ourselves with that. Okay, so outfield, two guys were really easy for me. Exactly. And then one was a you know a bit of a head scratcher. A couple ways you could go with it. Um, I know which way I went with it. Uh, I still, you know, there's still one guy I feel kind of, uh, I feel bad for leaving him off, but I'll, I'll just give my three. So the two easy guys are Juan Soto and Bryce Harper. They had elite seasons at the plate. Soto had a much improved outfield season from his 2020. Um, I think just that improved outfield alone uh, combined with, you know, his amazing, amazing plate discipline a 465 on base for him this year is just a nutty number. It's an all-time kind of number. It's a number that, you know, eclipses some of the greats. Like, even even like Trout, a 465 would be like, whoa. And he's known for that kind of stuff. So, seeing Juan Soto and Bryce Harper put up these kind of offensive numbers made it easy for me um, to have them too. My third pick is going to be Cedric Mullins. Um, looking at his numbers now, 675 plate appearances which is a lot it's one of the higher numbers you see in the american league um 30 homers 37 doubles 30 stolen bases that's a really clean kind of um breakdown of his production on a baltimore team that we you know really only had him as like the cornerstone offensively some other good kind of pieces helping him or you know uh decent pieces i'll say but mullins kind of being the only diamond on that team uh 8.7 walk percent, 18.5 K percent, um, you know, well above average in both those areas. Um, and then, yeah, a 5.3 award for him. One thing for me, Travis, uh, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll let you give your three and then I'll kind of break it down a little further. Well, you pretty much said my three right there. Okay, yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah, Soto, Harper, easy. 
easy, easy picks to go right there. The last pick was Mullins. Um, there was a lot of good guys. I mean, Castellanos has had a great year. Um, a couple other guys have had great years. Judge is a great year. Um, but, you know, I, I just I respect Mullins. I respect the 30-plus doubles, the 30-plus home runs, and the 30-plus stolen bases. Kind of a clean little 30-30-30 season yeah. for a leadoff guy that plays on a team that just solidified the number one overall pick in next year's draft. I mean, no real excitement with the Orioles. Um, and he's been the only exciting player of them this season. So got to give him a lot of credit. Had a great season. Um, a lot of hits this season. He is um, definitely a premier guy and, and someone that, you know, nobody, nobody at all saw even, you know, nobody thought about putting this guy at an all MLB team after 2021. But with injuries happening to a lot of key players, he stepped up and he took it right from there. And this is going to be a great um, thing that could be going forward with him for, you know, contract negotiations, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, those are my three outfielders. Pretty pretty simple, I thought. Yeah, so I'll just break down the one kind of a question I had, I guess. So Cedric Mullins put up an amazing year, breakout year, um, deserves all the praise in the world. But keeping Aaron Judge off this list for me was, it felt a bit criminal. Um, yeah, I had right. I had to do it, but I felt a bit criminal. Because he's this kind of guy, Travis, amazing 2017, one for the ages, his rookie year, rookie of the year. Second in MVP to Jose Altuve, even though a lot of the numbers did favor uh, Judge in a lot of ways. But ever since then, injuries have been a big problem for him. And we've always kind of said, if he gets a healthy season, he's going to be an MVP kind of guy again. And it finally happened. This year, 148 games played. Not a perfect, you know, stretch of health, but a very, very good, you know, only missed, you know, a handful of games compared to some other guys who missed much more time. And anyways, uh, he has a better... Um, on base percentage and better slugging than Mullins and one thing that just did it for me Travis is that Judge is known for his just amazing glove and arm out there which you know are still very good but this year Mullins had a better glove by out above average on StatCast out above average he was 95th percentile uh, 95 plus percentile so Mullins was one of the best defenders in the outfield this season um, by, by that metric so a judge was kind of more closer to average um, in that regard. So usually that would be the difference maker for me where like judge's defense would kind of put him above. But Mullins actually had the better defensive year, at least according to that stat in my mind. That kind of actually was a tiebreaker for me, honestly, because a lot of the batting stats did favor judge, even though um, Mullins had the games played by, by a little bit. So I actually thought I was very close and I felt bad about leaving judge off. But Mullins, for me, gets the nod. It was just kind of his year, I feel like. Um on kind of being the only guy, only big guy in that Orioles team, whereas Judge had lots of help over in New York. But um, that kind of wraps that up. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you're right. The two guys that were the easiest, Harper, Soto, I mean, no question about it. Yeah. Mullins was the guy you had to think about, but looking at those numbers, like you said, it, it just made sense. Yeah, yeah, the 30, 37, 30 in the homers, doubles, steals, it's a pretty impressive milestone uh, for those three figures. But moving on, Travis, designated hitter, is Shohei Otani. I'm just going to announce it for you and I both. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to say? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm going to say. 639 uh, plate appearances, Travis. That's a lot for a guy who spends a lot of time pitching. In Iron Man. 639. That's more than a lot of the other MVP candidates that you're going to see. Definitely. 46 homers, 26 doubles, 26 steals, 8 triples too, which I believe ties for the lead in majors. Wow. Honestly, yeah, wow. I'll have to double check that. But I, I, I saw either, the triples, and that was that was just interesting. That was just crazy. And then, uh, yeah, he walks fifteen percent of his plate appearances. 
the on basis up at 372. It really started climbing. The average started dropping um, and the on base started climbing because people just started walking up so much. He didn't see that many great pitches to hit. Especially in, like, in that Mariner series, yeah. Yeah, in, in, that, in the yeah. last third of the season, honestly, last maybe month or so, people are just trying to pitch around him. The last couple Mariner series, we played him twice in the last month, and they, they had a game plan that we're not going to let Otani's bat beat us. And it's funny that the last game of the season, Travis, Madden, I actually think, made a, a, I think he made a good move by putting Otani leadoff. Because are you really going to intentionally walk the leadoff, man? Probably yeah, not. Very true. And then that at bat, of course, first at bat of the game, it was a home run. He said, we're going to make you pitch to Otani. And then, of course, Otani punished them in one of the biggest games of the Mariners season. So, um, Otani just, he's been the story of the season. And DH, we're looking, we're looking at just his bat, but still no one actually comes that close in my mind at all. Um, just his bat alone is a 5.1 Fangraphs war, which for a DH is crazy because you're getting penalized for not playing any defense. Yeah. Um, anything else to add, Travis? I, I already know who you got. I don't, yeah, I I mean, got to ask you, you. You covered it up, Otani, uh, 155,000%. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's not even close. So uh, easy to... Easy to go with right there. Um, pretty much our starting nine with the DH. Um, pretty similar. I mean, really the only thing was the catcher. The catcher is the thing that me and Alex see a little different. But those, of course, are the two best catchers, I think, definitely in this season. So Interesting. That I think it's the first time we've been this close. Yeah, I know. And, and that's why I thought this this time we went around, I thought, I think our heads will be pretty, pretty connected. And I think yeah. that uh, a lot of the picks will be very similar. But... Let's move to starting pitching, and what we'll do is we'll give our top five or our fighting five starting rotation pitchers. Um, we won't really talk too much about it because I think these guys will definitely be in our top five for the Cy Young because we're talking about both right. leagues in this rotation. I'm definitely thinking that all five of these guys will definitely be in our five for the oh, Cy Young. Yeah, so, it only makes sense. Um, I'll let you start off. Just rattle your top five and then um, go with your closer. And okay. then, of course, I'll go with my top five and then, of course, my closer as well. Sounds good. Sounds good. So... My top five starting pitchers of the season. First off, my ace is going to be Corbin Burns. Then I have Zach Wheeler. Then I have Max Scherzer, Walker Bueller, and Garrett Cole. That's my five. We can get into the debate once you know we get to the Sayang se- section. And my closer for the year is going to be Josh Hader. Travis, give me your five and closure, and then we can very, we, we can discuss closers. Very, very interesting. All right. So, yeah, my my top five, my rotation is going to be Corbin Burns. No no specific order, just basically just my rotation. Corbin Burns, uh, Robbie Ray, Max Scherzer, Wheeler, and Walker Bueller. Um, and then closing it will be, of course, Hater. So we mm-hmm. have a very similar list. There's just good. one guy, and that, that's going to be a good discussion to kind of talk about. Sounds good. Uh, before we do that, um, Alex, just kind of give our nod to Mr. September. You know, who was your big impact player in the month of September that you felt, you know, deserved the recognition? Sure, yeah. The guy I'm going to roll with, my player of the month for the month of September, will be Juan Soto. Um, you know, the storyline was not in favor of the Nationals in this last stretch of yeah. games, mm-hmm. Travis, because they have been out of it for a long time, pretty much tank mode since the trade of the trade deadline when they fleeced the whole team. But looking at his September slash October numbers, 31 games played, 373 batting average, 545 on base, 637 slugging for a monstrous 1.182 OPS. You know, there are other guys who make sense. There's some guys in the Cardinals that make sense. The Dodgers had a great month. The Giants had a great month. Definitely. Nationals do not have a great month. 
Nationals just had a bad month. It's just the one guy's machine. But the one guy's numbers, they were just pitching. They were not giving him his pitch, essentially. Or, you know, he still had his fair share of home runs. Seven home runs in the month. Uh, four doubles and a triple. But um, it just really comes down to the fact that he wasn't, ch- he, you know, he's the master of not chasing bad pitches. And it really reflects in that 545 on base percentage. Travis, honestly, looking from July, August, September, the on base went from 487 in the month of July, 505 in the month of August, and then 545 in September, October. It jumped from elite to amazing to like Hall of Fame level, 545 in the it's month. It's mythological. And it really comes down <laughs> to the fact that teams are like, we're not going to let this guy beat us. We're going to pitch around him. And he's like, give me first base. I'll take first base. And then it really shows in his numbers a 1.182. OPS uh, speaks for itself, Travis. So who is your guy you like in September, October? Yeah, so I mean, I'm going to go with uh, Tyler Mm -hmm. O'Neill. You know, obviously Cardinals, 17 straight wins. There needs to be one big guy that had a great, you know, a great 17-game stretch who kind of helped and propelled all those wins. Tyler O'Neill, 13 home runs, 30 RBIs in the month of September. Um, A 328 average, a 377 on base, a 731 slugging. Um, that's north of a 1.1 uh, OPS. So I really liked what Tyler Neal did playing outfield for the Cardinals. Um, really kind of burst onto the scene. Him and uh, Bader really burst on the scene for the Cardinals outfield. I think we were really waiting for these guys to come along because they were they, they were future stars, you know, a couple years ago in, in the future stars game. But um, yeah, I mean, really, really impressive season. I like I like to see that. And of course, helping the Cardinals win all those games, propel them into the playoffs with so much momentum. Um, it really feels like this wild card game that we'll get into a little bit later um, actually could be close. Yeah, I, just I, by looking at these bats. Yeah, I, I do like the pick because uh, O'Neill has evolved into like a real five tool player in the big league level. He does have great defense and speed, and then that combines with his bat that exploded this month. So, yeah, he's a big part of why the Cardinals were amazing this last month. So I can't uh, I can't knock the pick at all. Um, Travis, are we ready to move into the awards? We're ready to move into the awards, the big section, I think, of the of the podcast before the the, the playoff preview. Um, sure. We've been talking about these awards, I think, for, you know, I mean, every month we go we do a monthly review. And then, of course, we kind of do little sections here and there just talking about who is our guy, who do we like, you know, moving forward. But um, we'll do, of course, the MVP first, kind of, I feel like, the most exciting award. Um, do you want to start AL or NL? We'll start AL. AL, okay. All right, so you want me, want me to go first? Yeah, break the you? ice. All right, all right. So, coming in at first place, AL MVP, I think it's pretty obvious. And there's really, I don't know any, Pedro Martinez, I don't know how you even can think about even debating this, but it's Shohei Otani for the AL MVP, hands down. Should be unanimous. We'll probably get 95% to 97% of the vote. But Otani's number one. Number two, easily, it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Those two, I think, are the easiest one-two picks um, in all the awards. So those two are coming in at one and two. Number three, I went with Marcus Semyon. Um, 45 home runs as a second baseman. Um, a tremendous war this season. Uh, really, I mean, besides Vladdy, he really was the leader of that Blue Jays team, rounding them to 90 wins this season. I just really was impressed of what he did this season. I think he had a better season than what he did in 2019. And in 19, he got third in MVP voting that year as well mm-hmm. um, behind uh, Bregman and Trout. So I really like what Semyon did this year. I think it earns him the number three spot. Uh, number four, this is where we kind of get interesting, Alex. Salvador Perez. 
at the fourth spot for the MVP. Um, I just think a catcher, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say almost winning triple crown, but really not close because the average was just nowhere close. But taking two of the three spots um, of the triple crown for the entire MLB, I thought that was really, really impressive. Never has there been a catcher that has hit 48 home runs. And I don't think there's ever been a catcher who's really led the league in both home runs and RBIs, maybe bench one year. But um, Salvador Perez had a year that was just really incredible. I think just playing 161 games and, you know, putting up those numbers was just something that definitely earned him a spot in my top five. And then rounding out number five, this guy, he, he's just such a consistently low-key underrated player, and that's Matt Olson. Matt Olson had a insanely surprising season. You look at the stats. I mean, he's up there with some of the greats. I mean, if there's no Vladdy Guerrero um, Jr., he's the first baseman probably for the all MLB team right now. He is just having a great career so far. Um, just really low-key, just hiding up in that Oakland A's area. You know, just, just not Sneaky being... in the Bay, yeah. Not, not being seen by the East Coast, of course, because he's on the West Coast. And... He's just a really good player, and I really respected his numbers this season. I'm pretty sure maybe you'll go into it in, in, in more more in the numbers portion. But um, Matt Olson, I mean, I mean, the percentage numbers are great. The home run numbers are fantastic. He he's a great fielder. Um, yeah, I got to give him a top five MVP pick this year. But I'll go to you now. Top five for the MVP. So my five starts the same. Joey Otani number one. I could rattle off the reasons, but I think you guys have heard enough. Honestly. <laughs> But you can just, I'll sum it up with a 318 ERA. We already talked about his great batting in the DH section. Um, if you're the best DH in baseball and you also have a 318 ERA on 130 innings pitched, it should be pretty clear. For some people, it's not like you mentioned. Uh, I love Pedro Martinez, but uh, he's, you know, just dead wrong about Guerrero. <laughs> yeah. And then, so my second pick, I'll just say, is Guerrero. Guerrero, in a lot of years, is, you know, an MVP guy. Um, but there's like this whole narrative that like, you know, any other year it's Guerrero, but I don't even know if I agree with that. If an average Mike Trout year, I think beats this Guerrero season. Um, Mike Trout, of course, injured this year. I think last year, like if Bellinger, uh, sorry, I'm talking 2019, if Bellinger is in the same, you know, league as Guerrero, I think that Bellinger year is probably better than this Guerrero year. Even Yelich. Yeah. Yelich as well. Um, you know, Bellinger stuck out to me because... Bellinger's bat that season was kind of comparable to this Guerrero bat this year, but Bellinger was playing a gold glove right field and a little bit of center field as well. You see, Vlad, Vladdy's kind of like us. He's he's a two tool guy. You know? Yes, he's yes. a contact and a power guy. But after that, I mean, not that, much, not much. And these guys, Olson, I'm sorry, Olson, Bellinger, Yelich, you know, these guys the are. The list goes on. Yeah, they can do a lot more than just hit. So, so go on. I I I I just want to say. Guerrero completely deserves a second spot on the ALMVP list. But there's just this idea that people keep saying any other year, you know, if Otani wasn't here, you know, if Otani wasn't here, it would be him this year. But any year, this is not necessarily an MVP year, in my mind at least. Um, people talking about like innings played in the field just kind of makes no sense. Otani's pitching on the mound at an elite level. Um, so for me, it's pretty clear. Third, I have a, uh, a new face that was not on your list. I actually have Carlos Correa. Okay. okay. So it's a bit of a curveball from what you had, but Correa, I really liked his numbers this year. Um, a six hundred or six forty um, plate appearances, which is right up there with some of the best in the AL. So he was, you know, in it with his team, you know, for the long haul, day in day out. Um, Twenty six homers, thirty four doubles, 
379 average, 366 on base, 485 slugging. That's good for a 134 um, WRC plus. So pretty much Travis, his batting was very comparable to a guy like Marcus Semien in my mind. If you look at, not in terms of the counting stats, but in terms of the average base stats. Yep. And then Correa was playing shortstop and his defense this year took a big step positively. He's always had a good glove this year, a 96 percentile out above average. So among shortstops, he is one of the best this season defensively. And then his bat is right up there, you know, very comparable to a guy like, you know, Marcus Semien or, or Jose Ramirez with that 134 WRC plus. So he actually earned my third spot higher than I thought he'd be. I didn't think he'd be that high, but I looked at the numbers. I liked his season a lot. Marcus Semien is my fourth pick. I had him in that third um, penciled in for most of the second half of the year. He completely deserves to be at the top of this list. Um, the, four, the 45 home runs we mentioned earlier speaks for itself. Uh, a really remarkable season. We know, I don't think anyone saw this kind of, you know, resurgence coming from him. And my fifth spot is actually going to be Jose Ramirez. Um, it's just a guy who's always kind of in the top five conversations. Never really gets that MVP award. And it's not going to be his this year either, of course. But I just look at his numbers and I just honestly see a consistent superstar kind of year in, year out. Um, and there's a lot of guys who I was thinking about for this fifth spot, honestly. Because in my mind, the top four were kind of locked in my head. And five, I thought about Olsen. I really thought hard about Mullins. Mullins is I, thought, I thought hard about Judge. I even looked at guys like Tucker. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's it was a heated race. I just think that Ramirez had a top five kind of season. His team was not in the storylines at all, but um, we, we praised him enough in the third base category, I think. But the 36 homers, 32 doubles, 27 steals, it was a great year for him. He's my fifth spot on the MVP list. So I guess the differences we have, uh, we have quite a few actually, but um, you know we can we can quickly cover the Salvador Perez, um, I guess situation. I honestly, Travis, you know we've discussed this quite a bit, <laughs> both on the podcast and off the podcast. But I'll just say that Perez, if I made a top 10, he might not be on my top 10. I would figure, yeah. And and that just kind of comes, you know, the power, the home runs are great. But I'm just not an RBIs guy by any means. So, you know, hats off. You know, the bold numbers on base reference, seeing bold is always good. Seeing bold is always good. But leading in RBIs for me is just not as important as like playing great defense or, you know, um, whatever else it may be. Um, so for him, I just kind of see a guy, you know, a catcher, you know, who has, you know, the defensive accolades and gold gloves, but, you know, the framing this year has been one of the worst in baseball, according to Fangraphs, and then throw in the fact that, you know, his rate-based offense was not very good, especially the, the walking, the slugging was very solid, but the walking and the average were both not special, um, so... For me, he just doesn't crack my list. Um, and that's just the difference of philosophy. That's what happens with voters. That's why you get some of these kind of crazy wild ballots. Um, you, had, I think you, you, you did a good job of summing up uh, your case for Olsen. He's probably like my sixth or seventh guy. I got no problem with you having him fifth. Um, we both left off Mullins, which is kind of surprising to me. But some guys had good second halves, a little bit better than Mullins' second half probably. I think we kind of both agreed probably in that six or seven range, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I try to, of course, take a small, small aspect, of course, team success. I know a lot of people like to do that. I mean, I know everyone would always give Trout crap for... Right. He's not a playoff guy. Why is... Why is Otani's not a playoff guy. Why is he making the MVP, which I think that's complete bogus. I think that should be totally out of the equation. If a guy has a great year, um, better than anybody, then he should win the MVP, no matter how the team does. 
Um, but I think, of course, Mullins just having being on a team that was just so, so bad. Um, and, you know, he, he had a great year. But, of course, he had a lot of other guys had great years just like Mullins and had better numbers than him. So, um, of course, he's a guy that I slightly let off. But he was a guy that definitely I was thinking about in this top five. Um, and then, of course, Olsen for me, um, you know, a 5.8 war. Um, one of the best at first base, uh, you know, and just just everything about it. A 153 OPS plus. I mean, just just a I mean, just a kind of a sneaky good season. Almost had 40 home runs, had 35 doubles, uh, 111 RBIs. Um, just look at some of these numbers, and it just was very very impressed with Olson. Did um, on you know, and, and I feel like he was the only A this year that was. The, really the most consistent one. Chapman did not have a good year. Right. They, of course, got Marte and, you know, Josh Harrison. Um, and so they got new guys coming onto the team. But I just really liked what Olsen did this year. Um, just stayed consistent. I feel like, you know, I feel like that first round of the All-Star voting when Olsen wasn't even on the ballot. And oh, it was, yeah. you know, a Brayu. I felt bad for A's fan, just underrepresented. And, 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 and Olsen's a guy that it's just like, he's he, he deserves so much respect for what he does. Um, just a great bat. And actually, this year, had the most home runs um, as a lefty against lefty pitching in baseball history right. for lefties. You know, Bonds, Ruth, never even did that. Olsen did that. 22 home runs against lefties this year. So, really, really impressive year. I thought the, you know, all the percentage stats were very good in his favor. And then for me, Salvador... I mean, I know people, of course, don't really like it. The percentage stats, I'm with you. They are not pretty at mm-hmm. all. For me, I just thought, man, 48 home runs and RBIs that led baseball. Um, I got to get this guy in my top five just because that's just really impressive to see a guy mm-hmm. that plays all these games and is kind of just a juggernaut when it comes to power. Uh, really, really impressive. But I'm glad, of course, that you had Simeon. Because, I mean, Simeon, to me, was definitely a lock in the top he, five. I agree, I agree. He, he had to be there. And, then, of course, the top two were... Um, yeah. Pretty pretty easy to you know pick those yeah. guys up. <laughs> yeah. I, so yeah. Pretty, yeah. I think we both kind of understand where we each other are at. One last thing I'll add on the MVP kind of thing that you brought up team success and that's something that we both have battled with because we both always advocate for Trout, right? Yeah. We have a history of advocating for Trout in this award, and there's tons of people, you know, baseball writers, casual fans, fans who love the numbers, all kinds of fans are on different spots with this kind of argument. Should the MVP factor in team success and there's arguments for and against it one argument for team team success should matter that makes a lot of sense to me is people say you know if your team is really good that means you played in some very high leverage games where the pressure was on and you probably came through so that is actually a good argument that i hear but besides stuff like that i think people really don't understand i guess how this award award should work a lot of people say there should be a mvp a most viable player and then a most outstanding player i completely disagree with that and it both goes to trout <laughs> right right and, and in this season travis it would should both go to otani because i don't care about you know someone saying otani had a really good year and he was outstanding but it, did it help his team win yes it helped his team win it just the rest of his team wasn't that good in comparison to what Guerrero had. Guerrero is batting Semien in front of him. He gets to drive in all the time. He's got Bachet or Teoscar Hernandez behind him that's driving him in a ton. He's got elite bats all around him. Springer's probably batting in there somewhere. You know, the list goes on. Lourdes Guriel, you know, Grichuk, you can keep going. But when it comes down to it, acting like, you know, one player in the MVP race really... You know, that, that acting like team success should really make a big difference. You know, if you switch Otani and Guerrero's offense, 
I feel like the just the offense. I think you know having Otani in the Blue Jays, Blue Jays lineup. You think it makes it worse? No, of course it doesn't. It probably stays the exact same. Honestly, exactly, exactly. So um, acting like team success is some sort of like um, tiebreaker or some sort of like thing that should hold Otani down. It just makes no sense to me at all. People say that Otani, you know, how viable can he be if the team had a losing record? It just, in my mind, just kind of shows that maybe you don't understand the way a single player can't really do that much to help a team win. It comes down to uh, the sum of the parts. Um, you need multiple parts to create a winning team. Um, Otani pitched and hit at an all-star level, and it still was not enough for a winning season. So I don't know any other player you could... You cannot plug in any player to Otani's position and expect a better record for the Angels. That's not how that works. Otani was the best player this season for me running away. I just had to kind of get this rant out because I keep seeing this, no, whole, this whole argument about Otani should be most outstanding but not most valuable. No, he helped his team win yeah. more than anyone. He, yeah. led, he led all of baseball and wins probability added by a, quite a bit. That just kind of shows how much you help your team's win percentage in every single game. He was by far the best player this season. And if you care about team success, you know, that's fine. That's just the way you're going to vote. But for me, if you put any other player in Otani's shoes, the Ames record gets worse. No, exactly. It gets worse. And, and I think that the best argument you could just say is he was an all-star pitcher and an all-star hitter. I mean, you literally say he wasn't a below-average pitcher and an all-star hitter. He he did both. He, he did both so, so great. Angels finished with 77 wins with the team with no Trout, no Rendon. You have Goose Goslin. You got Jack Mayfield. You got guys the, that you don't even really know. And because of that, at the end of the season, they're just pitching around him. Which exactly. You can't, you can't do that to Guerrero because Semyon's probably already on base, and you got Tasker Hernandez or someone else in the on deck circle. So yeah, I, I mean the the argument for those that say he shouldn't be it, it just it you're right it's it's just like do you know baseball and do you know are you watching baseball and do you have you not have you not seen that he is doing a 1919 Babe Ruth quite possibly even better yeah. than Babe Ruth did. I mean, the speed for Otani is, I would say, 100% better than Babe Ruth's speed. But, yeah, I mean, the the, the ranting, I know me and you have gone on back and forth on Twitter, on, on Instagram, just about idiots, you know, saying their, their, their fair share for Guerrero making it. Guerrero was a great hitter. That's all he was, though. He was yeah. not a gold glove fielder. He dropped a foul ball uh, a couple days ago in foul territory, a pop-up, and we're just like, can't yeah, great. I, I think I would have got that. Great job. I mean, it's just kind of like, okay. I mean, he's a great hitter. He is the best hitter he, of the season. And he completely deserves the second MVP spot. But in my mind, it should be 100% unanimous. It probably won't be. It won't be, yeah. But yeah. it should be just based on the production of Otani offensively and on the on the mound, of course. You're, you're, you're gonna get you're gonna get a Blue Jays probably beat writer that's gonna give you know Guerrero the nod. And so I mean, yeah, there's just gonna be some people. I, if, if if they had made the wild card game, it would probably be like you know a good twenty to thirty percent on Guerrero just because they say oh his bat is what made them make the postseason. But yeah, I think we've kind of the only way Guerrero wins the MVP is if he has a two thousand four Bond season, and that's the yeah. only argument I would ever say. If he had a season like that, then you can give him the MVP. But you have the biggest outlier season of all time with Shohei Otani. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. we agree. I think we, we did a good job there. Uh, going to NL. Let's get let's get in the NL. It should be fun. MVP top five. I'll go first. You went first last time. Perfect. I'll go first this time. My first pick is Bryce Harper. My second pick is Mr. Juan Soto. Third pick, 
Fernando Tatis Jr. Fourth pick, Trey Turner, two-team extraordinaire. My fifth pick, had a lot of thinking to do, went with Corbin Burns. Nice. So a little bit of a curveball maybe. Travis, give me your five and we'll debate. That's really funny because my top four are exactly the same. Oh, really? <laughs> so Harper, number one. Harper, yeah, Harper did 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 very well this season. He earns the MVP for me. Uh, Soto, I mean, only knock on Soto is he had less than 30 home runs, which is kind of rare. We would have thought he would have had a 40-something home run season. The slugging and the power was a little bit lower than we expected this year, but the on-base, the average was all fantastic. And, it, I mean, he just put up yeah. insane numbers with the walks and the on-base. So he earns number two. Number three, Tatis Jr. I mean, he was, I think, my runaway from May on. But, of course, slowed down with injuries. And, of course, I think the team let down kind of hurts him a little as well. Um, so Tatis, of course, had to step back to number three. Trey Turner, I mean, if it's not Scherzer, he has been the spark for the Dodgers. I mean, he is one of the best players on the Dodgers right now, one of the best players in the NL. Um, he's just having an insane season this year. I mean, it has been such a joy to watch this guy. Um, not only can he hit the ball at the ballpark, but he can steal 30, 40 bags. I mean, the speed for him. And also the best slider in baseball. Oh, yeah. As we see those fresh slides every week or so. But Trey Turner is number four. For me, for number five, though, I, I know you were you know leaning towards a pitcher. And honestly, rightfully so, because Burns had a great season. For me, um, I went Austin Riley. Okay. So I went Riley... Austin Riley, number number five for the Atlanta Braves, um, third baseman. You know, he just had a breakout year. And honestly, I just think that the way he picked up the slack after Acuna pretty much left and was done for the season, I gave him a lot of respect for that. You know, the power was great um, and, and just really kind of pushed that team into October. I mean, had a lot of other, you know, pieces on that team. But, you know, you look at the team, Ozuna, issues early on, he's done for the season. Uh, Acuna out at the All-Star break. The team looks like it is just completely done. And then, of course, Riley still staying in the in, in the hunt. I gave him number five because I think that, of course, the team success was a big aspect. But I think also, of course, some of the individual stats were very, very impressive for Austin Riley. Um, but you know what? I mean, honestly, leaning Corbin Burns, definitely could see number five uh, for him as well. But um, my top five and your top five, very, very similar, yeah. except for the number five spot. <laughs> right, yeah, very similar. Um, I love what you said about Trey Turner because he was just one of the most spectacular players this season. We really saw a great year from him in a 2020. It was a short season, and we all kind of thought, okay, you know, is he actually going to be this guy? And it turns out, yes, he is going to be this guy. He's, uh, you know, was a great, absolutely super impactful Acquisition by the, by the Dodgers, playing you know middle infield, and just being honestly a five tool guy, um, didn't always have the power uh, that he has today. But Travis, this just this last weekend, two different grand slams in the same series in the same in a three game span, um, just having that kind of guy in the middle of your lineup that not only is he gonna uh, have he has thirty two stolen bases on the year. He's going to have 28 home runs along with two Grand Slams in a weekend. That was just, to me, like, whoa, this guy, like, in the big moment, he will swing for the fences, and he will probably connect. Um, and if not, it's a wall banger, and he might be standing on third. <laughs> good point. Good I mean, point. It, I mean the, 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 he's almost the righty Shohei Otani, because I feel like the power is there and the speed is definitely there. And I mean, that aspect of it, they are both very similar. Um, 
great, great players. Yeah, yeah. 328 average, 375 on base for Trey Turner. A 536 slugging is surprisingly high, Travis. A 536 slugging is actually higher than one Soto, which is wow. something that, wow. you know, Bobby probably didn't see coming. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, it speaks for itself. He's a 6.8 uh, Fangraphs war, which is one of the highest on, on the whole leaderboards for Fangraphs. Um, Turner had, had to be my top five. Definitely. Um, and then, yeah, Burns versus Riley. It's comparing apples and oranges. Um, I went with Burns because I think he's the best player in the Brewers this year, and the Brewers were a you know a team that was cruising into the playoffs. And um, in my, we'll get to the pitcher debates when we get to the, the Cy Young section. But Definitely. just a preview, I think he was the best pitcher in baseball this year. And um, you had Austin Riley because the Braves managed to still win their division after losing Acuna. So obviously, uh, and losing your superstar like Acuna is always a heartbreaker, but um, the way both Riley and Freeman kind of picked up the slack, Riley especially in more of a bit of a breakout fashion, um, I get why you had him uh, that high on your MVP kind of uh, ladder. So um, not much to discuss there since we have so much agreements with the Harper, Soto, Tatis. I'll quickly just say that Harper, I think, um, he has the best WRC plus in baseball in my mind, the best hitter this season. You could argue Guerrero as well, but you know, if we're going to compare leagues, at least in the NL, Harper, the best hitter in baseball. And I would add the best second half. I mean, b- oh, sure. besides Soto, sure. Harper had one of the best second halves of the league, yeah. um, and that really propelled him to the number one in MVP voting for me. Yeah, the, the 309 average for Harper, a 429 on base, which is right, it's below Soto because Soto had a um, once in a decade on base percentage, but then Harper had the 615 slugging, which, if I'm not mistaken, led baseball. So um, for me, it had to be him. Uh, the 35 home runs might seem you know lower than some other guys, but uh, yeah, the for me the uh, the 615 slugging really kind of makes up for it. Uh, 42 doubles actually for Harper, which is a huge number. And even 13 steals. So even though he, you know, is not his young self anymore, he's still quick on the bags. Um, Soto did put pressure late in the season with all those walks he was getting. His 465 on base was crazy. But um, for me, Harper just edged him out, even though Soto had a great year defensively as well. Um, I think that we agree, so we can continue moving on, Travis. Uh, Let's get to the Cy Youngs. So would you like to start us off? Yeah, I'll start us off with the Cy Youngs on this one. Um, so coming at number one, Alex, um, and I'll actually start with a trivia question. Okay. So just passing you, Darvish, this season for the all-time MLB leader in strikeouts per nine, this guy is the leader in Major League Baseball history, and he is my number one guy on the Cy Young list. Um, can you give me a little guess? Probably Ray. <laughs> I'm glad you know your stats. Robbie Ray, for me, is number one at the AL Cy Young this season. Um, Fantastic season. Led baseball in strikeouts for pitchers. Um, Led the AL in ERA Plus at 154. Uh, Led the AL pitchers in WHIP at 1.045. Led AL pitchers in innings pitched. The most uh, games started for AL pitchers and the best ERA for AL pitchers. So just kind of a nice, consistent, you know, stat line for him i really like what he did really helped his team down the line it came you know to the wire for me with him and garrett cole 
um, for the Cy Young. And so Robbie Ray has got my number one vote for the Cy Young. Coming in number two, just like I said, Garrett Cole, just slightly beneath Robbie Ray. Had a great season, but I think that some of the last starts kind of were some big hiccups. I mean, we talked about that weeks past. These starts for some of these pitchers, this is make or break because it's so dead even um, that really it can go to anyone right now. It just it, it depends on these last couple starts. And Robbie Ray had some better starts than Garrett Cole, so he finishes number one, Cole two. Number three, I went with Lance Lynn. I thought Lance Lynn, before the injury, um, was putting up the number one Cy Young season. I mean, he was having a great season come uh, the beginning of August. He looked like the number one Cy Young guy, um, had a little bit of an injury bug, but still, of course, uh, finished strong in the year. He is my number three. Number four, I have Carlos Rodon. Uh, another great piece for the White Sox um, that you know will be very helpful in their ALDS uh, round against the Astros. Um, Rodon, number four, did, of course, not have a lot of innings pitched. I think he had about 132 innings pitched um, on the season, which is almost the same as Shohei Otani. Um, and Shohei Otani's hitting 46 bombs. Yeah. Um, but, you know, compared to Robbie Ray, almost 60 innings less. So, um, but Rodon definitely did have a great season at number four. Number five, had a guy that I really looked at. And, you know, number five, of course, was always the pick that I, I looked at the most. But I went with uh, Chris Bassett. On the Oakland A's, I really liked the season he had. Um, had an ERA uh, ERA plus of one thirty, and actually had the best winning percentage for a starting pitcher in um, the AL. So I know we, I don't really like looking at wins and losses because that really dictates on how your team did the lineup. Um, right, right, right. But I, I you know I really thought he had a great season before the head injury. Um, before the line drive, I mean, he was putting up some really, really good numbers. Probably would have had, you know, 16, 17 wins on the year for the Oakland A's. I know that was a really big fall for the Oakland A's. But um, Bassett just really proved to have a a, a breakout year. Um, and moving forward for the A's, he'll be a great number one. So those are my five. Um, interested to see what you have. Yeah, so um, we have a couple differences. I'll, I'll say it start off with that. But... Um, Four guys the same, but the order is quite a bit different. But I'll get into it. But um, Bassett was in my six or seven spot okay. on my team, but he's the guy who I'm gonna leave off. But I'll start off with number one. Oh, Garrett Cole is my number one. We kind of knew this was coming based on our discussion about, or we kind of previewed it in our exactly five yeah. starting mm-hmm. pitchers of the year. So Cole is my AL choice. The rest of my list might be a little bit surprising the order, but um, I feel good about it. My second is actually going to be Carlos Rodon, okay, which is a bit of a surpriser. But like you mentioned, the inning pitch are low. 132.2 innings pitched is much lower than every other kind of Scion candidate. He missed some serious time. But he did have a 2.37 ERA, which would lead baseball if he qualified for the ERA title. But he does not qualify for the ERA title okay. because of innings pitched. Um, but the 2.37 ERA is just a great figure. 34.6% of batters he faces, he strikes out, which leads everyone on the AL list that I have here. 34.6 strikeout percentage. Um, and then the other advanced numbers just really like him a lot. His expected ERA is still a 2.63, which is the lowest on my list here. Um, and then, yeah, his his FIP is very good as well. His FIP is... is I, the best on my list as well in terms of American League starting pitchers. So Rodon was my second choice. Innings pitch are low, but I think if he got to 170 pitches, 170 innings rather, which is a big step away from where he's at, but if he got out of there, for me, he'd be the runaway choice for first on the list. Um, so for me, he's second. Third is a guy who was not on your list. 
and I think it may surprise you a bit, but it's Nathan Evaldi. Wow. So that's going to be a bit of a curveball, I'm sure, because the ERA is a bit high. The ERA is... 3.75 or something like that? The ERA is exactly 3.75. Very good. I was doing my research You know, You know your stuff. So, (laughs) but um, yeah, a lot of the other numbers, especially his FIP, really show that um, he had some bad luck with the baseball this year. His FIP is down at 2.79. So he was one of the best control pitchers in baseball this year with only a 4.6 walk percentage. Um, But he's also one of the best pitchers at limiting home runs this season which is why his FIP is actually really good. He had a lot of bad luck with balls in play. A lot of the balls that, you know, were hit, you know, just kind of squeak through the gaps and stuff. But, um, yeah, essentially he led American League pitchers in Fangraph's war. And I would like Fangraph's war at a 5.6. So Evaldi is my third choice. Um, Ray is coming in at fourth, which wow. seems low compared to, I'm sure, what most lists will look like. If I had to guess right now, I would guess that Ray will win the award. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I guess I'm just going to disagree with voters a little bit here. The 2.84 ERA is very, very nice. He also has pitched more innings than anyone else on my list at 193 and a third innings. Um, 32.1 strikeout percentage, which is super high, but the strikeout percentage is actually lower than Colin Rodon this season. More Ks per nine, but less strikeout percentage. Um, and yeah, I guess a lot of the other kind of numbers kind of point that Ray had a lot of good luck with balls in play, which, you know, maybe some people will argue that if, you know, a great defense makes a good play for you, that that shouldn't really, I guess, uh, hurt your stats. But I guess, you know, difference of opinion, uh, Ray's fifth is up at a 3.69, a lot higher than the other guys on my list. So he's on my fourth spot and I do have Lance Lynn in the fifth spot, a bit lower on the innings pitched at 157. But um, the 2.69 ERA kind of speaks for itself. It's a super solid figure. And the other numbers like him as well. So um, the only real difference we have is I have Evaldi, whereas you have, remind me? Chris Bassett. Right. So I do believe Bassett would be in my six or seven spot. I did have him written down. Another guy I had written down, Travis, was Shohei Otani, just to kind of see... You know, Definitely was a guy you keep wanted. him on the radar. Yes, I, yeah. I, I saw an interesting argument on Twitter today. Let me know what you think about it. Should you kind of factor in the challenges a pitcher has to face into their case for the award? So some guy said, "I can't have Otani less than five because uh, fifth spot on his on his ballot essentially because the guy has to be thinking about batting and he's on base while he's thinking about the next inning he's going to pitch." In your mind, should that factor in or should that not be a factor? What do you think? Yeah, I think I think we talked about this actually a couple days ago. For me, um, I, I don't think it should be a factor. Um, I think that, that that's where it comes into the MVP. Um, sure. Cy Young, these are guys that are just used to pitching. And Shohei knew that he would have a disadvantage this season when you know going up to hit because the chances of getting hurt, the chances of having a little nagging injury, um, you know, you getting hit on the on the wrist or the elbow, that's gonna of course um possibly hurt your chances when it comes to pitching. So I really, you know, I, I see the argument and I see how he probably had to do things. You know, he did something that no other pitcher could do this season because he's a primary starting pitcher. You know, he's not a primary DH, I would say. He's a starting pitcher. So, uh, yeah, I, I see the argument. But for me, I don't really think it is something that I would really, you know, push. It's something that, um, you know, guys like Cole, Ray, Lynn, I, I'm pretty sure they're kind of just thinking, well, the Cy Young's only for the pitcher, um, yeah. the MVP, a pitcher can win, but 
that's for the hitters. And so it's kind of like you have your separate kind of areas of voting. But I think that makes a lot of sense. But, I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely something you got to think about. But I definitely wouldn't really push it because, um, you know, it's his choice. And it's kind of just like, yeah, um, but, you know, I mean, other guys, you know, this, the, the Cy Young and pitchers are just supposed to be pitching. Uh, he's just a total anomaly and an outlier where people can make that discussion. But, um, yeah, I, I really can't see how... Um, you know, it, it should affect the Cy Young voting, but I, you know, you brought up a good way. I mean, I mean, he is a guy that I was thinking about on my top five because what he did this season. Just if you take away the, if you take away hitting, take away hitting, he had a top ten Cy Young season in my opinion. Um, and then of course you look at even top five. Uh, what he did on the mound, what he did in the second half was insane. I think if you look at that start against the Yankees in like late June where he. Got it. He didn't even make it to the first inning. You take away that start, I think his ERA might be below about a 2.25 or something like that. It was a really insane second half for Shohei Otani. Put up insane numbers. And I think at one point I was definitely saying, this guy should be a top five Cy Young voter. Yeah. Um, you know, had a cup, uh, some, some little rough stints here and there. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the pitching side of it was insane in 2021. But, um, but yeah, I mean, good argument with that. I just don't think that it really, you know, is valid for this kind of scenario. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I think I pretty much agree with what you said. I don't think, you know, the Cy Young, sh- in my mind, should really factor in some of the outliers. It should be about how well did you produce on the mound. Exactly. And Shohei with the 130 innings pitched, even though he's thinking about batting and might miss a start because of an injury he had in the base pass or something kind of crazy like that, you know, at the end of the day, we're rating pitchers on their pitching. So I, I, I agree with what you said. I'm going to add one last thing before we switch over to National League. Uh, just on the Evaldi, I have Evaldi above Robbie Ray, Travis. I know, yeah. I'm sure that surprises you, and I just kind of want to talk about it a bit so we can get our thoughts out. Um, I guess my in my mind, the ERA is crazy different, right? The Evaldi's up at a 3.75, Ray's down at a 2.84. And for me, it came down to the fact that um, a lot of the other kind of numbers that factor in, like the defense that's behind you and the numbers that kind of factor in the quality of contact and stuff that you know you're inducing Charles, one prime example i can think of for helps evaldi's case we were at the game at fenway where he was pitching and the yankees got to him right but one critical thing happened in that game with i believe there was two outs there's an infield fly and uh, kyle schwarber calls it off and he lets it drop right in front of his feet and runs score, and the inning, keep, their inning keeps going, and more runs even score that inning. And no error. <laughs> and so that tells me that, you know, sometimes quality of contact um, stats might tell a better picture of how good your season was compared to just to how many earned runs were scored on you, or how many, some people just look at runs in general scored on you. Um, so in my mind, uh, if you have a defense like, Schwarber at first, Bogarts at short, Devers at third. On some sad occasions, you have J.D. Martinez in the outfield. Um, or maybe you have a guy like you know, Francis Cordero in the outfield. You know, who knows throughout the season. Um, I just think sometimes these are kind of factors that you might not consider that are boosting Evaldi's ERA. Um, some Maybe some bad defensive moments that don't get called errors. Maybe some uh, moments where a ball just kind of got hit in the wrong spot. And there are some good stats that kind of help you show that um, essentially his ERA is a little bit worse than what he actually did. And what he actually did was good for a 5.6 fan graphs war. So I think Eovaldi, 
for sure is in my top five. I actually do have him above Ray, but, um, you know, kind of picking hairs, trying to decide between them because they both had great seasons in my mind at least. But definitely, I mean, I know you said it, but if, if you had to make a bet right now, you'd probably go with Ray to, to finish higher than Evaldi. Oh, I, well, that's, I would put a million dollars on that, Travis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I know the way the voters, you know, typically think ERA is a very key stat for them. And for people who like ERA, I don't got beef with ERA at all. ERA is a good, like, pick one number to look at. What are you going to pick? If you pick ERA, yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, but I think if I'm going to pick hairs and pick my five, I want to take a look at some different stats too. And in my mind, I just saw some things that made me really like Evaldi. Despite the 375 ERA, I think a lot of other things are very looking good for him. And Travis, uh, we'll talk about it later, but I think he has a chance to do really well in the uh, wildcard game. But we'll get to that later. Um, for now, we'll switch over to the uh, NL Cy Young conversation. Four of these guys were on our lists for the All MLB team, so so we should know. Yeah, I imagine our top fours will be the same. Definitely. And if I had to trust my gut, I think our fifth guy will be the same as well. But <laughs> I'll give my five. Corbin Burns is my number one. Zach Wheeler is my number two. Max Scherzer is my number three. Walker Buehler is my number four. And Brandon Woodruff is my number five. Give me your five. Yeah, very interesting. Our our one and five are the same. So okay. Uh, Corbin Burns number one. Uh, number two, Max Scherzer. Okay. Number three, Walker Bueller. Number four, uh, Wheeler. And five, Woodruff. So, um, yeah, had a little bit of a scramble Just in the middle there. Just a shuffle in the middle but, three. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, starting off with Corbin Burns, I know he's been your guy since, you know, the beginning of the season. Um, you know, and it, it was tough. He, him and Scherzer, if I had to bet, I honestly might say that voters will pick Scherzer. Scherzer, be- it's possible for sure. Just because of the second half, he's in LA, the big city, which are are factors that really shouldn't even matter. But I just know voter signs will look at that. Um, they'll say, "Oh, big city." You know, he helped the Dodgers get to one hundred and you know five six wins, and so they'll look at that and they'll be like, "And he was dominant." You know, I think at a one point nine eight ERA since the trade. I mean, he was just complete filthy since yeah. uh, you know early August. Um, one thing, of course, I looked at Burns, and of course, Burns and Scherzer had very, very close numbers. But of course, looking at Burns, had the best ERA in baseball. You know, slightly better than Scherzer, but had the best ERA in baseball. Looking at the last two starts Scherzer had against the Padres and the Rockies, very, very rocky. Because he played the Rockies, That's right? Funny. But, you know, playing at Colorado, I think he gave up three or four runs in the first two innings. And then you look at the Padres, had a great lead against the Padres at home. And then let five to six runs in about four innings against the Padres. And so I kind of was, he's kind of was slipping at the very end. Whereas Burns, I will say, put together the most complete full season. Scherzer, before the trade on the Nationals, he was probably a top five Cy Young guy. But Burns was a guy that was always in the top three, if not top two, if not the number one guy the whole season. I think he's been a consistent kind of um, workhorse the whole entire season. One thing I did really like is only allowed seven home runs this year. Wow. And in the second half, the second half with the Dodgers for Scherzer, he allowed five. I just thought that was kind of a crazy stat. I think Scherzer allowed about 17 home runs this year. But, I mean, you look at Burns' seven home runs in the full year, and Scherzer allows that in two months. You know, it allows five home runs in two months, which it's kind of a weird stat to look at. But I just figured, I mean, the, the guy is the guy is not walking anybody, and he's not giving up home runs. So, if that's not happening, what's he doing? Oh, he's striking guys out or he's allowing weak contact. Um, I just feel like the hitters were most baffled when they fail, when, when they faced Burns. So 
Um, you know, ERA plus best in baseball. I know I don't, still don't even know what FIP is, but he's number one in baseball. Um, a lot quite of, a bit. I, I mean, basically, baseball reference is going to give you the cheat code, and it's going to show you a bunch of bold and italicized numbers. He leads baseball in almost everything of those. So um, Burns is definitely the guy for me to be the number one guy on the list. Um, and Scherzer, I think, is a close second. Uh, Bueller, I think, is a, is, is a good third just because of... You know, I think just because he's put together a very complete season, I like him and I like Wheeler. Um, I just went the way of uh, Bueller just because um, I think, of course, just the, um, the the just the winning for the Dodgers this season. I think he's just been their 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 guy the whole season. I think he's been the Dodgers' success or the reason that their success has been Bueller on the mound. Um, so for him, he's number three, and then of course Wheeler and Woodruff number four and five. But uh, give me kind of your take on your list. Yeah, uh, all the praise for Burns. I agree with. I like the, the the home runs that you brought up. I did not know he allowed such few home runs, but I did have a good idea that that's probably you know that's probably true because he's been one of the best guys all season at creating weak contact, and that combines with the fact that he strikes out thirty five point six percent of batters he faces. You're striking out you know over a third of the guys you face. Combine that with your great weak contact numbers. I think he throws a cutter and a sinker. It just does. Uh, it just does great. Uh, it bodes very well for your advanced stats like FIP, expected ERA. All his kind of expected like advanced numbers are below what his ERA is, and his ERA is the best in baseball. So it almost kind of tells you, Travis. I can, I can point to some examples because I've been following this race kind of closely because I do have money on Corbin Burns, and there's been, <laughs> yep. Travis, there's been multiple times. I remember a dribbler got past Eduardo Escobar at third base, and it like. I don't even know what happened really. He like kind of, I don't know if he like tried to see if it would go foul or not, but it just kind of snuck by him and I let two runs score and they didn't call an air, even though the ball was probably rolling, probably rolling at 50 miles an hour down the line. And Eduardo Escobar kind of let it pass him almost. And it was all counted as, as earned runs. And so um, I guess the way the scorekeeping has kind of worked, you could argue that it has hurt Burns ERA, even though ERA is the best in baseball at a three point, sorry, at 2.43. 7.5 Fangraphs war leads every single player in baseball not named Shohei Otani and he's just on, he's just on his own planet somewhere else anyway exactly. so uh the innings pitched does favor guys like Scherzer, Bueller and Wheeler but I think the quality of performance by Burns is enough to give him my number 1 spot for me it wasn't that much of a debate um personally um you know I may be a bit biased cuz I have money on him but I just love his case a lot I do have Wheeler above Scherzer which is, you know, different from what you have. I know you're a big Wheeler guy this year. I am a big Wheeler guy. The 213.1 innings pitched just shows what a crazy workhorse he's been. And Travis, a, his ERA, I feel like it was low and then went up a bit maybe, and then it went, it's kind of crawling back down towards the end. A 2.78 ERA is a really good number to be at. His advanced stats are all right around that range too. It kind of shows it was not a fluke or anything like that. Um, and one thing I'll add, Travis that I heard some people talking about online is he has had one of the worst defenses in baseball behind him. And that can all, all, of course hurt your ear rate. Thinking about the fact that a lot of the time your infield looked like Didi Gregorius, Alec Bohm has been one of the worst defensive third baseman all season, even though, you know, he didn't play every single game. This is the guy who's playing your hot corner a lot of the time. Sometimes hard ground balls get past him, probably not called an error because it was hit hard, but a better third baseman, a better shortstop defensively. You have Reese Hoskins playing first base. If you had some better defenders around you, the 
ERA could easily drop, you know, several points. Um, Harper not great for his defense. McCutcheon not known for his great defense. So not even known, you know. Exactly. So the Phillies team is not known for their defense by any means. Um, it's kind of just him and Real Muto trying to make magic happen. And oftentimes it did happen. And it happened a lot because 213 innings pitched is leads baseball. Um, so I had to have him in my second spot. Scherzer, Bueller, both deserve to be top four in my mind. I think that's a very clear top four for me. We agreed on that essentially. So not too much to argue with. Um, I guess I had Scherzer over Bueller because even though Bueller has the innings pitch advantage, uh, the ERAs are very close, but Scherzer has some very nice um, FIP numbers, other advanced numbers that we don't need to get too deep into. And then Woodruff, for me, uh, was a clear plug-in at number five. Some other guys got snubbed, Travis. Uh, Kevin Galsman had a great season. He is probably my sixth or seventh pick. Um, Julio Urias, Travis, also. 20 wins, right? He deserves a lot of credit for the season he had. It just so happens that he has two other aces on his team, so he's going to be in the background a little bit unfortunately for him but I think he's okay with it because his goal is to win more with the Dodgers and they're going to do a lot of winning so and and that was and that's one thing that we'll cover later but that's a nice problem for the Dodgers for their third guy to have the most wins in baseball and you know have a sub three ERA so they're going in fully loaded but yeah Urias was one of the guys that definitely was someone who could have made noise on my top five but um of course better guys but also Gosman um Definitely was one guy too. In ace and the the best pitcher with a great ERA on the team with the best record in baseball. So mm-hmm. leaving him off was definitely something we had to think about. But Woodruff uh, finished the season in a good in a big way, and so his two point five six ERA gets him in my fifth spot. I think that kind of rounds it all off, Travis. We can shift over to rookies of the year now. Just three per league, three AL, three NL. Um, I'll start us off. Perfect. American League. We've been talking about this quite a bit, Travis. Personally, off the podcast, off the record, we've been talking about it. <laughs> yes, we have, yeah. But I had a bit of a switch based on what we were talking about just about a weekend ago. But my number one is going to be Randy Rosarena. Okay, okay. Uh, my number two is going to be Wander Franco. And my number three is going to be Emmanuel Classe. So I will let you give your three and we can discuss. Perfect, perfect. So for my number one, move to the Wander Franco. Yep. So Wander Franco is my MVP, or MVP. He's my rookie of the year this year. Um, you know, Alex, I saw the season he had. I think he had a 3.5 war in 70 games with the Rays. And I basically thought to myself, man, if this guy would have played a full season and you add, you know, another 70 games and you add another 3.5 to the war, you're looking at a, a seven war. You're looking in, at an MVP guy. In, in a, Top in, 10 In, MVP in 140 guys. games. Yeah. And if he plays 150 or 60 games... You're looking at maybe a 3.5, maybe even an 8 war season out of a rookie. I mean, what he has been doing for the Rays in the second half, I mean, it, you really just can't describe it. Um, I have just been blown away. The on-base percentage streak that he was doing. I mean, the elite defense he's been playing, too. I mean, they're going into the playoffs with a, with a young guy that they have control over for a lot of years that I, I mean, I'm, I'm just completely blown away by. So he got my number one spot. Um, for the uh, rookie of the year, number two went to a Rosarena, just because consistently the whole entire year he's just been a great player. I mean, literally, I feel like we're kind of, I feel like we got kind of bored of him because of the playoffs he had last year. Exactly, and we expect Barry Bonds numbers from him, but he had such a drop off. But it's because he's actually playing a full season. So, um, but you look at any other season, Rosarena is a great player. I think he had about a one thirty uh, OPS plus. So very very consistently good season for a Rosarena. Number three. 
I still kept Garcia, Adoles Garcia, in my top three. Um, first half, I thought he was the clear favorite for the rookie of the year. You know, and then he finished with a hundred. Um, I think it was a hundred RBIs and thirty home runs. Um, something that you know a lot of rookies don't do, and playing really good defense, being an All Star for the All Star team, was yeah. really the only bright spot I think for the Texas Rangers um, this season. So I had to give him the respect and give him the top three. I know he's been my number one choice for a lot of the months where we do the All MLB team, but he finally dropped now to number three. Uh, Franco won, a Rosarena number two, but um, very interested with the Class A pick because Class A ERA I think was a one point like two five. One point two nine, yeah. Two nine. It it was impressive, and with uh, Karnicek being demoted, yeah, and Class A being promoted, really stepped in that role and did not disappoint. I mean. Filthy stuff. I know me and you play Ellie the show, the video yeah. game. We can't even hit him on that. Yeah. I mean, the sinker and the fastball and all those pitches he has are just so deadly. So, yeah, uh, good transition. I'll get into Class A right now in that case. So 69.2 innings pitched. Um, that is more than guys like Hayter. That is more than most closers because he spent a lot of time as like a 7th, 8th inning guy and ended up getting a lot of saves towards the end of the year as the closer for the Indians. Um, he has a 26.5 strikeout rate, which is nothing like mind-blowing, but the 1.29 ERA is phenomenal. And the advanced numbers, the 2.11 FIP, 2.16 expected ERA, it kind of shows that this is not really a fluke. His 102 mile an hour fastball with movement is not a joke. It is the real deal. He had, uh, you know, a relief pitcher had 2.2 Fangraphs war, which is, uh, you know, a, a great number to be at for not only a rookie, but a rookie relief pitcher. Um, I, I, I liked his season a lot. Adolis Garcia would have been in my top three probably every month up until now, but Franco and Class A kind of came on strong. Uh, Adolis Garcia, I will say, the bat kind of slowly dipped on looking at the rate-based stats. The, the on-base was not very good in the second half at all. But, you know, the home runs kind of remain steady. And I will say the defense is a big plus for him. He has great speed out there in the center field, some right field. He made a great play, actually, against the Angels just about a week and a half ago. Uh, a foul ball was tailing out of play, and he made a diving catch to Rob Fletcher. of a, He's at bat, essentially. Right. Uh, you know, grabbed one out of out of foul, foul territory and just kind of brought it back over the fence. But it was a crazy play. Uh so hats off to him. But yeah, for me, I just had to go with these other three guys. Um, it was a pretty good rookie class in the American League in my mind. Very good. But um, Very good for the Rays. And you can say that again because <laughs> it feels like their team is like half rookies and they are all just kind of being stunners. A guy like McClanahan for me. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Leaving him off my ballot felt almost you know shameful, but I, I had to go Class A. But yeah, um, I guess a Rosarina Franco is the only last thing to talk about for this because we have them flip-flopped. Um, what I will say is that a Rosarena and Franco, you can look at the offense, it's very similar. 274 average for a Rosarena, 288 for Franco. A Rosarena is on base, 356. For Franco, it's 347. For a Rosarena, it's 459, the slugging. And for Franco, it's 463. Almost all, you know, within about 10 points. Um, so. Usually, I would say that Franco deserves the nod then because he's a switch hitting shortstop who is five tool um, and he's putting up those kind of numbers. But the difference maker for me was that the bats are almost similar and the Rosarena has double the plate appearances 604 versus 308 for Franco. So, just 
talking about production, our Rosarena has to get a nod from me. He had a 2020 season, actually, in terms of home runs and stolen bases, mm-hmm. whereas Franco had seven home runs and two steals. And that just, that just comes down to the fact that Franco only played the second half, really. Mm-hmm. And that's not his fault. It's just the way it went. He didn't have the games played that Rosarena had. And Rosarena had a full season at about a 128 WRC+. plus, So he was a great hitter for, you know, over 600 plate appearances. So I had to give him the nod just based on he showed up a lot more than Franco because Franco was in AAA for half the season. Franco was my number one pick for a long time. I looked at the Rosarena's numbers. I said the bat is almost the same. And, you know, even the... He's been playing a full season. Yeah, the defense favors Franco, but Rosarena steals tons of bags, and he's been here since, you know, the beginning of the season. So I went on Rosarena. Um, I think we probably, you know, feel pretty good about... I think we understand each other's arguments there, so we can probably move to NL. Definitely, definitely with that one. I'll let you start with the NL and go through your uh, top three, and then I'll, I'll rebuttal. So first off, I have Trevor Rogers. He's been the guy for almost all season. I had some pause because some other guys came on strong, but he still remains first. Second spot, I have Jonathan India on the Cincinnati Reds. Um, great season for him. And third, I do have Dylan Carlson on the, on the St. Louis Cardinals. So Travis, give me your three and we'll discuss it's funny how we think alike. Oh, yeah? Same three? <laughs> Same three. Um, you know, Dylan Carlson, another guy that's been huge for the Cardinals this year and huge during that streak um, in the last month of September, um, had a really nice rookie season. Um, Jonathan India, a huge, huge surprise. Probably one of, almost one of the best position players of the rookie class. Um, yeah. was, it was just a crazy spark for the Cincinnati Reds in their, um, in their season. I mean, almost was able to get to the wild card game. Uh, but of course, fell, fell, um, fell to the Cardinals. But uh, India had a great season, um, a lot of excitement there. But you're right, Trevor Rogers, um, a two point six four ERA this season. Uh, I mean, anytime you have an ERA under three and you're a rookie, I mean that's really impressive. Um, of course, one hundred thirty three innings pitched this season. So um, I think he actually had a, a little bit of the games out at the end in the bullpen. Um, did not start that many games in the end, but. Um, I think it was all about, you know, innings pitched and in, in, inning limits when you're a rookie. They really don't want to stretch you when you're young. And, of course, you're not making the playoffs, so there's really no reason to. But sure. um was an all-star for the Marlins. Um, and I think the whole year we've been saying his name, um, the consistency with him has just been outstanding. So Trevor Rogers, um was, you know, hands down, you know, rookie of the year this year for the for the NL. Um, just, just a tremendous season and a bright, bright future for the Marlins as they, you know, go on in all their aces that they – um, that we've seen the past two years. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how the Marlins are in the next two to three years with all these great young starting pitchers. Funny to see that even Trevor Rogers is you know younger than me and you. He turns twenty four mm-hmm. um, in November. While you know we'll be twenty four by by November. So yeah, um, yeah, just kind of crazy to see a guy like this young dominating right now in in an NL East division that was so impacted by great talent. You know. Earlier the year, you had Scherzer and Trey Turner in the division as well with Acuna healthy. Um, really kind of just a, a juggernaut division with talent this year. So um, I'm glad we agree on that. NL uh, Rookie of the Years. Let's move to the uh, the Manager of the Years. And I'll start off first by just going for the um, AL. So uh, my Manager of the Year for the American League is going to be Kevin Cash. Uh, my, uh, my number two on that is going to be Alex Cora. And then coming at number three is Dusty Baker. Um, I'll hear what you have to say, and then, of course, we can kind of go about uh, you know how we picked our list. So, number one, we agree. Uh, I do think Kevin Cash is the American League Manager of the Year. I think it comes down to the fact that the Rays are just masters at utilizing their talent. 
They manage their pitchers extremely well. Their rookies just immediately become, uh, you know, players that produce. You know, it's hard to say how much of that is the front office, how much of that is the development team and the farm system, how much of that is the coach. But I just know the way that Cash manages the game, the pinch hitting, the platoon hitters. He makes a lot out of um, some, you know, he makes average players look well above average by finding the right roles for them. So I love Kevin Cash. And, and I'll add one thing too. You lose Charlie Morton and Blake Snell, and you still win 100 games. And you lose Glass on the injury you're, you're in, right, the, you're in right. the early part of the season. You're right. Glass on the injury, and you still manage to win 100 games. I mean, there's something special about a manager being so impactful to his team, especially, like he's, we said before, a team of almost rookies. I mean, yeah. it feels like they have Patino, they have a Rosarena, Franco, so many young guys on that team, um, and they're still able to do so much damage. But continue with your two and three. Yeah, so second, I do have Dusty Baker, who cracked your list. Okay. Um, the Astros are just a well-run team. I feel like we play them, and they do things. They make the right decisions, and it usually, it usually results in wins. So he ended up being my second pick. Third pick, I did have some hesitation going this direction, but I went with it. Uh, Scott Service. Very good. Very good, yeah. Uh, I'm not a big believer on like the Mariners hype train, you know? <laughs> yeah. 90 wins with... Is ninety wins is great. It is. It really. And Travis, is. we were in Seattle last weekend, as we mentioned earlier. The fan base was loving the the team, and they had a great weekend until it came, you know, crashing down on Sunday. But um, until Shohei and and, uh, and Jared Walsh just kind of ended, said goodbye. Day. Yeah. But um, <laughs> essentially, you know, the fans were awesome, and the team atmosphere was great. Um, I still think that they were way overperformed. I don't think they're a ninety-win team. They had a losing. Sorry, they had a negative run differential. At one point, it was like a neg- It was minus fifty. I'm not sure what it was after the weekend, but they lost two of. They lost two or three to us, Travis, to the yeah, Angels. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure it went down even more. Uh, but one thing I will say, why the reason why I had him here, they had one of the best bullpens in baseball, just based on ERA, based on a lot of numbers. They had one of the best bullpens in baseball. Um, a lot of names you've never heard of coming out of that bullpen, even in the rotation. You're right. Yep. They had a great team ERA. I think a lot of that has to do with just smart managing of your pitchers. Um, maybe some of them will regress next year and uh, their win total could drop. But just based on this season, um, it seems like he made a lot out of that team that does not have a lot of A-list names and they were able to get 90 wins. Um Maybe some of that, you know, goes to, you know, like we said, it's hard to say how much of that goes to the, the minors teams that kind of, you know, raised guys like Kelnick to be great and raised, you know, some of the, the bullpen arms and, you know, put guys like Graven on the map almost. But, um, you know, maybe some of that is, is Scott Service. So I went with him as my third pick. Very good. Um, very good. I, I, I thought about Cora a lot. I like that you picked Cora. The thing that kicked him off my list for me, it's, it's stupid. It's probably honestly just petty at this point. I just see the lineups he puts out. It just annoys me. He's batting Devers, who's probably his best hitter, fifth. I just don't. Yeah. Don't you want him to bat more? Bat him second or third. Yeah. It, it's kind of it just kind of bugs me. But um, the, the Red Sox have plenty of great hitters, so it's not really like the end of the world. But uh, there's just some things that I Decora does that I disagree with. But you know that's just a water. You can go anyway with your third pick. So I just went with Scott Service. No, yeah, no. And I think my big thing with Cora was the Red Sox finishing. Was one of the worst teams last year. I know it was a, I know it was a sixty game season. One of the worst teams in in MLB last year. This yeah. season completely turned around. The first half they were I think the best team in the AL had the best record in the NL East. 
Um, they exceeded expectations across the board. They did. They did. I mean, no one thought they were a 92-win team, I believe, at the beginning of the season, especially after getting swept by the Baltimore Orioles to start yeah. the season off. That hard Red Sox fans didn't think that was coming. Oh, no, not at all. And so to be 92 wins and to be hosting the wild card game, I think is a definite you know plus and advantage for them this season. Um, so that's why I had him in my top three. I had to give him the respect there. But um, glad we agreed on Dusty Baker. I mean, the Astros are just a juggernaut team. I mean, we, we both agree with that. Um, and then, of course, Kevin Cash, just a genius with what he's able to do with that that, that team. Kind of would be interesting to see if he can manage the Angels with Trout and Rendon and see what, how many wins we can get with that team. Because I think it'd be about 117. We'd probably beat it, the Seattle Mariners it, real, record. Real, <laughs> yeah. It, real quick, if I had to give an honorable mention, I almost, with my third spot, went with A.J. Hinch. Because, the I mean, it's weird to give very, it to... Very, very true, It's man. weird to give it to a losing team. But the Detroit has such a surprising year. I think they had a... They had a Winning, uh, win loss record. Uh, they had a, you know above five hundred winning loss record in every single month of the season besides the first month of the season. Wow, which is weird. Wow, because right, right. you do not true. think of them as a winning team at all. Very true. But they had a bad first month, and then their young guys kind of got their foothold on. You know, this is what we. This is what our team is. This is our identity. And AJ Hinch, we know he was such a great manager on the great Astros teams of the you know earlier part of the very true last five years. Um, obviously lost that position on a massive cheating scandal. But unless Detroit is banging barrels too, then uh, something tells me A.J. Hinch doesn't know what he's doing, you know, manning a team. So I almost had him, but it just, for me, I went with a 90-win team, Seattle Mariners, over no. the uh, the sneaky Detroit Tigers. And that's very true because the Tigers, having the same amount of wins as the Angels, and, I mean, the talent that the Angels have, and then, of course, only three games from being the second place team in the AL Central behind the White Sox. I mean, I, I don't even think... They, they, they're, they're four or five games behind a team like the San Diego Padres. You're right, or, you're or right. I think they're about to have the New York Mets. Like, you're right. It's just some crazy stuff that no one thought the Tigers two were going to be that games, good this year. Yeah, two games away from having the same record as the Padres. I mean, yeah. that is just... It's, it's just crazy. And, and the same record as the New York Mets. Yeah, no I one mean, saw this coming. I mean, really. just, just kind of a crazy outlier for that, for this season. Um that but let's move on to the nl uh manager of the years um i'll let you start and just give me your top three and then of course i'll give you mine we can talk about that so my first pick which i think is probably the favorite to win the award is going to be uh kapler yeah of course yeah. Mm-hmm. it's an easy pick just considering how well the giants looked um how much of it is because of kapler and how much of it is because a bunch of these veterans had great years, you know, it's hard to say. And, you know, maybe Kepler is not, you know, the best manager in the NL, but based on the way his team performed, I think he has to get this award. Um, second pick, I have Craig Council. I think for me, he's always towards the top of my list. I think the Brewers are just a well-coached team. He got a lot about, he got a lot out of his pitchers um, this season, both starting rotation and bullpen. And one thing that he did, it's kind of low key, Travis, is the last couple weeks, he's really been, benching his aces saving him for the postseason mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so he has one thing on his mind and so if you look at the the brewers win total i think it's like maybe 95 94 in reality if they were pushing for like a first seed they could probably have up to 100 definitely, maybe a little bit more definitely. but council is kind of focusing on the postseason i like that it's not like a big deal for me but it's just something i noticed that like you know he's he's a focused manager he's doing things with intention um i think he's a great coach um, my third pick is Dave Roberts, which may surprise Very some because he's always like the Dodgers are so talented. Like you kind of wonder. You, you don't know, even need a manager. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's a fun. It's, it's they could they could win 
95 games with Mookie Betts as their manager with yeah. just making yeah. lineups or whatever. Yeah. But um, I honestly think that, Travis, whenever I watch the Dodgers games, which, you know, we live in L.A., we, they broadcast a lot. Whenever I have one on, I feel like they just play very smart, situational baseball. Very There's true. multiple times this season, Travis, they were in extra innings against the Padres once. They did a double intentional walk just to get back to the pitcher spot because they knew the other bench didn't have any uh, pinch hitters left. So yep. they did a pinch yep. hit with a, with Joe Musgrove. Yeah. So he just is always kind of aware of these little things. Um, the Dodgers had uh, just, a you know, I feel like about halfway through the season, we thought the Dodgers were having a rough year. They finished with 106 wins. that t- And they had tons of injuries. Albert Pujols is their starting first baseman right now with, with Max Muncy being injured. So many injuries. Uh, Mookie Betts underperformed this year. Uh, you know, Cody Bellinger way underperformed this year. They still had 106 wins. And I have to believe that part of that is Dave Roberts' ability to adapt in different situations. I'm sure some Dodger fans hate him. And if they lose the wild card game, which is very, very possible, we'll get into that in a minute here, that's very possible. They may lose it. They may hate Roberts even more. But watching the regular season, they do not get 106 wins, if not for Dave Roberts, in my mind at least. Very true, very true. Um, my list, of course, a little bit different. Uh, number one, we're going to be the same. I think Gabe Kapler has that completely locked for the manager of the year. Um, I remember Vegas, when we went to go do our betting, they had the over-under for uh, the Giants this season for wins. It was 74. They won 107 games. Yeah. I mean, they went 30-plus more wins than what Vegas had them. So. Giants were an absolute just shocker this season, and Kapler will get that award. Number two, I had Snicker for the Atlanta Braves. I think that handling just the Ozuna, the Acuna, um, and also having no Soroka this year. I think Soroka had a ton of setbacks. I think we just definitely were counting the Braves out almost every single month. You know, after the All-Star break, we were definitely counting the Braves out. We just said, you know, it's just not their season. It's not their year. They're going to just, you know, they're going to probably just... Um, you're probably going to win 77 games or something like that. Um, the, the Phillies or the Mets are just going to take the East. Um, no, they finished the year very, very strong. I really liked the way how he created Acuna through Solaire, through um, Eddie Rosario, well. and through Duvall, and through Jock Peterson. I mean, he literally created a player on all these different guys. And, I mean... It really was a genius type of move. You can't get one player who's Acuna, but you can get four guys and make them. We're just going to make them all play outfield, yeah. Exactly. We can make them into an Acuna slash Ozuna who we're missing right now. Um, And then, of course, you know, the pitching staff. I think the pitching staff did great. Freed finished very, very well. Ian Anderson had a very good year. Morton had a just, I mean, a shocking, surprising good year. He could get top 10 Sionglutes. Definitely, definitely. And so I really like what he did. He's just always been a um, consistently great manager. Four consecutive NL East titles for the Braves. So definitely kind of a mini dynasty. Not quite as much as the 90s, you know, Braves with Chipper Jones era. But but. definitely four straight titles. Um, Definitely something you got to look at because, um, you know, Dodgers couldn't even get it, get the division title this year, but of course, you know, 117 they, was in their way. <laughs> yeah, I think I think if the Dodgers were in the a- NL East, they'd have an easy time getting the record. But no, yeah. it, credit deserved a snicker. Definitely, definitely. So he's number two. Number three, I have Mike Schilt from the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. So, mm-hmm. you know, I thought the Cardinals were, I think they were favorites to win the division. They obviously did not win the division. They lost it by five games. I think, of course, getting his team from 1.3% playoff, um, playoff chances 
on, I think it was either late August or September 1st, to clinching the wild card and just completely shocking the baseball world. 17 straight wins to finish off the year. I think you got to give him a little bit of credit because, um, you know, there's just a lot of strings you got to push and pull. You know, you just got to do a lot of different things to win 17 games. I know it's a, it's, it's a, it's a factor that, you know, you really can't figure out what the success is coming from. And you look back at the Indians, I think in 2017 or 18, and you look back at the A's in 2002, and you really just can't, you know, I mean, you could design something, but it just, it's such a random thing that can happen. And Carlos has some sneaky magic sometimes. Exactly. And they really do. And so I got to give him credit winning 90 games. Um, very, very impressive finish to the season. And the September that they had was just unbelievable. Um, I really like what he had to do. And you know what? Coming into coming into our next segment, we'll definitely talk about that wild card series. It could get really interesting, but I got to give him my, my third nod. But I mean, of course, I'm going to say Kapler is going to be the all-time favorite, I think, just because of what he was able to do with that Giants team in that division. The Padres and the Dodgers were the talks of the division, and the Giants just come in and stun the world. So, um, Yeah, we agree there. Very interesting picks, but um, Alex, let's get into kind of the most exciting part of the podcast. Now we're going to talk about the postseason preview, um, talk about the wildcard games, talk about the division series coming up. Um, this Tuesday, Red Sox, Yankees, and um, then on Wednesday, it's going to be Cardinals at Dodgers. And then come Thursday, that's when the actual division series start. In my opinion, that's kind of when the playoffs start. I honestly don't consider the wildcard game the playoffs. I know you might think differently, but I don't feel like that's really the playoffs until you get in. So, uh, I mean, if the, if, if the Marlins would have made it, I would have said, great, but are you really in the playoffs? You know, is the drought really over? But um, I know it's still considered the postseason. So, uh, but let's, let's get right into that right now. So we have, uh, the Yankees and Red Sox first. Let's talk about, um, who we think, you know, who our picks are for that game, how we think the game will go about, you know, you have Garrett Cole and Nathan Avaldi, but I'll let you start it off first. So Travis, just to remind the listeners, we saw this exact matchup in the same ballpark. It was kind of special. We saw Eovaldi go against Garrett Cole at Fenway just a couple weekends ago it went in favor of Cole um I do think that Eovaldi's performance that game was not indicative of the pitch that he is on seven run runs it comes down to it you know Stanton and Judge had a field day that series um, they did and if I had to make my prediction Travis I think that the Yankees are still um I think they're still riding high I think I don't like the way the Red Sox ended the season they obviously kind of got torched by the Yankees, and then they go on to lose a series to Baltimore. Then they go on to drop a game, almost drop a second game to the Washington Nationals. If they had lost Sunday, I think every Red Sox in the fan of the whole world would just be kicking themselves and saying, how do we let the Yankees steal this from us, steal the wild card one spot? Of course, that's all a what if because they did end up clutching up in uh, the game 162 against the Nationals. But in my mind, I just don't like the way the Red Sox close out the season. I think the Yankees are both the better team on paper as well as the team with more momentum. So I do like the Yankees to win that game. Um, I think it'll be closer to the game we saw. We saw, what was it, I believe, 7-3. 7-3 or something like that, or a little, little I, more, yeah. I think Evaldi's going to I think gonna do well. Um, I just think Cole was built for these moments. Of course, 
Uh, he's not in, indestructible. He's had his fair share of you know bad starts in the last couple months, but um, you know it's one game of baseball and anything can really happen. But I would be betting on the Yankees just because I do think that they are um, you know I think they kind of rounded out to into being the team we thought that they were at the beginning of the year. Most teams probably most probably fans had ninety five win team nine hundred win team maybe Definitely, yeah a AL winner most likely. Um, yeah, Kings of the AL. First yeah. half, mm-hmm. they were not that at all. But now, Travis, they're what, a 92-win team, I believe, 93? 90, 92 wins with the Red Sox, yeah. So, and, 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 you know, they've had their fair share of injuries and guys like LeMahieu, you know, slumping and stuff. So they're more or less ended strong the way that... Um, I would say they ended, like, the second half of the season strong the way we knew that, you know, they kind of became the team that they were on paper. Um, and you also have your ace on the mound who... You're gonna have way more confidence than than probably the uh, Red Sox in my mind at least, knowing the pitching side of things. So, my pick is Yanks. What do you think? You know, and I'm gonna go Yankees too. I think that they're built for a wild card game. I mean, you have Garrett Cole for a one game series. I think it's 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 just built for the Yankees way. I think they honestly might be one of the best one game playoff teams um, in in the baseball in the baseball world right now because mm-hmm. you have Garrett Cole and you have a great lineup. I mean, you literally have. Two things that most teams don't have, but um, and at, at at Fenway, yeah, these big writers are going to be banging off the wall. We already know it exactly, and you know, it my my head definitely says Yankees. My heart says Red Sox. Um, one thing I, I just I it's going to be interesting because I just don't know can the Yankees win four straight at Fenway? I mean, can they really do that? Can I they, think so. In, in, in a week and a half, you're going to win four games at Fenway. You're right. If it wasn't Cole. I'd probably be going the other way, but both teams have just been so weird this season. I mean, you said the first half the Yankees were just almost garbage. I mean, they were not good. Then they went on a 13-game winning streak. We're just the kings of almost the, the AL. They were just looking so good. People were thinking they could catch the Rays. Then they go on like a five-game losing streak. Credit the Angels. I mean, of course, we're, we're probably one of the best teams, you know, best losing teams out there. But, uh, you know... And then you just look at the season. I mean, you, you remember the walk-offs. Losing to the White Sox from Tim Anderson in the cornfield. Losing to Jared Walsh uh, at Yankee Stadium. I mean, I feel like they just have memorable walk-off losses or walk-off or, you know, t- times where they've lost in extra innings where it's just been so embarrassing. I just feel like they're not – they're just kind of a confused team. So I, though, still have them winning the wild card. I mean – you're right. You have Garrett Cole. You have the you have the setup for the win. You have the bullpen too. I mean, you got Chapman. You've got uh, Chad Green. You've got a bunch of guys. So the bullpen um, the bullpen is a big deal because they had a must win game not too long ago. I remember checking the game logs and they pulled their pitcher early. I forget who it was, but then they had Green. They had Lozaga or however you yeah, say his yeah, name. Mm-hmm. They had Chapman. Uh, they went like their seven, eight, nine. It was killer. Um, and then you know they also have. I feel like they have available pieces. They do. If, yeah. if Cole gets rocked in like the third, they can probably put a Nestor Montgomery Cortez. Montgomery or there, there's yeah. going to be options. Um, yeah. Whereas of course Sale has been kind of burned in the, in the game one we'll C two. Travis, did you see the quote on Twitter that I saw today? I did not know. Um, it's actually kind of crazy. Apparently, this is what I heard. I hope this is not like misinformation. What I heard was that Chris Sale went to Alex Cora's office and he said, "Give me the ball on a wild card game." And wow. Cora, and Cora said no. <laughs> Koros <laughs> told it said no way like because essentially I think still pitched what like two and two thirds innings or something like that. Yeah, short leash because he got he got hit up he got he, he got beat up. I yeah. think he got pulled in the second or third inning, so it's almost possible to say you could make an appearance in the wild card, but 
Um, apparently, apparently, Cora said like, "No way! Like, we don't want to risk injuring you. Um, even if we do win the game, we're gonna need you for the DS exactly. and the CS. You still gotta go play Tampa, you know. Boston's mind is on a ring, of course, so no reason to rush sale now and tweak something. But it is interesting to think maybe they could almost use him in a safe situation. Who knows? They need a lefty late in the game. Very true. I don't think they'll do it because just save him for the DS, but you know." Sale wants to pitch. Let's put it that way. So no, you're very true. Well, at least one guy has fire it, it, on the Red Sox. Very, team. very true. It is something that this is Game Seven, and it's a must win. So if you need him for a three out sa- or three inning save, yeah, I mean he's done it before. Or if we go to extras, who knows what happens? You know, you're so right. And so um, it's interesting to think what Cora and Girardi are thinking for their Game One and Two for the um, for the ALDS. Uh, you know, I'm thinking that the pitcher of this of this game, Ivaldi or Cole. If, Whichever one wins, we'll probably go game three or four for the ALDS. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it's probably going to go because you, you at least need three, four days to rest because, you know. And you're probably getting lots of pitches this game anyway. So. Exactly, exactly. But it'll be interesting to see how short of a leash some of these guys goes. I feel like in game sevens, most starting pitchers only go about four innings because they only want to, to see, um, you know, the lineup once or twice or something like that. So it'll be interesting. Um Really, really exciting for that game that's going to be happening. But um, we'll move to the NL side because it's kind of a it's kind of a different story. AL, you have two teams with the same record. NL, you have two teams with very, very different records. Um, the one hundred and six win Dodgers hosting the ninety win Cardinals. A sixteen game difference right there between both teams. Um, Alex, going into it, Cardinals, in my opinion, have no pressure. Yeah. No pressure at all. And that could be very, very good for them. Dodgers, on the other hand, 106-win team. You lose at home to a 90-win team that literally just got hot in September. Really has no business of being there. And you lose to them with your ace, Max Scherzer, on their mound. It could get pretty interesting and probably pretty hard for the Dodgers to you know answer these questions in the offseason. But um, give me your take on the game. Give me your take on who you have um, taking this game on Wednesday in the NL wildcard? So I think a lot of people's gut reaction is going to be the Cardinals are red hot. They have that postseason magic feeling about them. I get it. I just can't not pick the Dodgers. Um, I think everyone, a lot of people who don't like the Dodgers, they are going to be in the mindset of, you know, a 106 team, a 106 win team losing the wild card game would just be like a hilarious like downfall if you don't like the Dodgers. But yep. um, my mindset, Travis, is that the Dodgers are a complete real deal. Um, they have had tons of injuries and they still have injuries right now. Max Muncy is going to miss time. He's going to miss this game. At least probably the next 10 days. So he's going to miss the division series and the wild card. Yeah. And then that means you're probably starting either Pujols or Beatty, depending on right. I was thinking that, and I was also even thinking Bellinger. That is also possible, depending on the righty-lefty pitching. That's the thing. I don't even know who the Cardinals are going to start this game, which is... It's going to be Adam Wainwright. Oh, is it? Has it been announced? Yeah, it's going to be Adam Wainwright. It was announced about, you know, five days ago, but Wainwright will get the start, so it'll be a righty. So Pujols will probably not be starting for uh, the Dodgers. It'd be interesting to see if he does get time against his former team in a wildcard game. That'd be pretty or hurts his that'd, former team. That'd be pretty special. <laughs> but what I will say, Travis, we all know the Cardinals finished the season really hot. They earned their way into this wild card spot. But acting like the Dodgers didn't have a great second half, you know, you'd be a fool to say that. They in in, in the September they swept the Padres, then went and swept Arizona. 
Then they, you know, took uh, three, two of three from Cincinnati, two of three from Colorado, two of three from Arizona again. Then they finished the season by sweeping the Padres, and then they went and swept the Brewers. So um, this is a team that is not only has momentum in their own right, but they're going to have Max Scherzer on the mound, a guy who is second or third in a Cy Young conversation. Like we said, a chance to even get first in the Cy Young Award um, if the voters decide that way. So I'm and personally I'm leaning Dodgers in a pretty big way, but of course one game of baseball can make me look foolish because anything can happen. Um, Scherzer has slipped up a bit. The last two starts, yeah, um, the numbers have not been good. He's allowing you know more runs than usual, and also I know his his uh, fastball velo is a bit down. So maybe he's maybe this kind of elite stretch he's had with the Dodgers is kind of coming back to bite him. Maybe he's a little bit overworked, but. Um, I mean, he will be ready to go. And I heard a quote from Trey Turner saying he's angry, which just to me tells me that <laughs> we, we may get, we may get, you know, the famous, you know, uh, angry, spitting, uh, you know, furious Max Scherzer storming around the mound. Definitely. Um, if we get that guy, then I don't know how the Cardinals are going to beat him. Um, but the Dodgers have a great bullpen. Uh, I, I just think the Dodgers are the real deal. Of course, they could lose this one game, but um, I would have to bet on the Dodgers. I just don't see uh, 106 wins. And they earned every bit of it, yeah, so yeah. I, I'll go with them. Yeah, and again, um, just like the Yankees, my my head says the Dodgers, my heart says the Cardinals, um, just because of the the, the momentum we, we we've seen. You know, you look at wild card games in the past, and the team with almost the best momentum wins those games. You know, I, I always go back to, of course, twenty fourteen, the Royals winning that walk off um, walk off way against the uh, Oakland A's, and then going to the Angels and just taking to the a- Angels taking into the Orioles and going all the way to the World Series. But um the 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 cards are all the cards are all right for the Dodgers. I mean they have they have no weaknesses in my opinion. So it should be a win. It you know I think everywhere it points it should be a Dodgers win. It should be maybe like, you know, uh I could see it being like a six to two finish ending of the ball game. I'm predicting that score right now, six to two Dodgers. Writing it down. Um but I mean we could see something slip. We've seen them choke. We've seen them choke. They don't have Kershaw, but we've seen them choke. So, um, and you know, interesting to see is last time Scherzer got a wild card start was with the Nationals, and he got pulled early. The Brewers got to him, um, and they That's had right. to bring in Strasburg. So, interesting, interesting to see how he goes about it. If he pitches, you know, five innings, six innings, if they let him go deep, um, really interesting to see how Dave Roberts manages this game because the Dodgers have not had to experience this wild card game ever. In their um, in their history, so uh, first time they'll have to experience it and see how they deal with it um, with this. But yeah, I mean, baseball is so random, Alex, as we know. You know, we could have a team like that, like the Cardinals, just come in and take care of business. They business as usual, just come in, play a nice, clean nine inning game, take it to the Dodgers, and Dodgers are done and, and season's over. So, um, one thing I do think that is very hurtful is the no longer presence of Max Muncy. I mean, that is going to yeah. be a big bat that they're going to have to put at first base and, you know, see how it goes. But Trey Turner is a stud. Um, Seager, I, he's been heating up, a, you know, as it goes, um, you know. And then, of course, the outfield. I know Pollock's been doing really well. Betts is still Betts. Yeah. Um, you know, Taylor, You know, Chris Taylor. You have an all-star still, at every position. You do. You do. I, I mean, on paper, the Dodgers will win this game, but you don't play baseball on paper. So, um Really interesting to see how this game goes. But yeah, right now I have Yankees and Dodgers. Seems like we both agree on both of these games. So let's move kind of to the division series and kind of give a, you know, kind of a brief 
um, summary of how we think that's going to go because that will start on Thursday. Um, so we have Yankees at Rays. And then we also have White Sox at Astros in the AL. So let's talk about those two series. And you know what? Give me who you got. And we kind of can discuss that a little bit and get both sides for the NL and the AL. So AL, let's go with Yankees at Rays. What do you think happens? Who wins? How many games? Kind of go over that. I am definitely leaning Rays. Okay. I think um, I'm just tired of sleeping on them. The talent-wise will favor the Yankees, but... They won, the Rays won 100 games for a reason. Um, they almost swept the Yankees just this last series. Very true, yep. They almost, and Travis, they didn't need to win those games. They had locked in their position, and the Yankees were fighting for their lives, and they still almost took all three. And of course, Aaron Judge did walk off in 162 on an infield ball that almost was a double play to force extras, but of course, you know, was knocked down and safe at the plate was, was the call. Um, I like the way the Rays approach postseason baseball. It came back to bite them in, of course, famous game six against the Dodgers in the last World Series. They pull um, Blake Snell early, and Nick Anderson blows it. Um, you know, I'm sure everyone remembers. But I think for the most part, the reason why they got to that game is because they stick to their philosophy. They trust their bullpen. Um, they have their starters ready to go, you know, and, um, you know, they stick to a game plan, and it gets them far in the postseason. It gets them to 100 win seasons. So I have a lot of faith in the Rays. Um, there's a very possible chance if Stanton and Judge get hot, they could win you a series for sure. Very true. Um, Cole's going to get a start. Uh, you might see a couple starts from a guy like maybe Nestor Cortez. Um, so, you know, there are other factors. Star power-wise, you think the Yankees could have a great shot. Um, they should feel confident if they get to that series. But I just think the Rays, um, they play too well. I think they play baseball the smartest way possible. They're on the cutting edge of the way you should approach like important games. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to ride with them. I have to ride with them. So I'm not sure. Um, you know, I believe it was five games last year. Yeah, I believe five it was games. a five-game. And the seventh uh, or eighth inning was the... Chapman gave up a, a, a nuke to... Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. I'm trying to remember his name too. <laughs> Brousseau. I think it was yeah, Brousseau. Mike, Mike Brousseau, of Mike course. Mike Brousseau, yep. Um, yeah, and, and, and Yankees fans are not going to forget that. So maybe they're going to be rooting uh, you know, that much a little bit harder to get them over that, win that, that fifth game, I guess. But um, this Rays team, even though they lost all the talent in the starting rotation, they could be even better than last year because mm-hmm. um, they just find a way to get it done. So I'm going to go with Rays, I'm not sure, four or five games. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think... I think they cruise. I don't know. I yeah. feel great about the Rays. You, you almost feel like the Yankees with Cole getting probably one start that maybe that's the start, the win that they get. But, you know, Rays could probably win that in four or five games, you know, something like that. And, and a lot of Rays are no stranger to hitting Cole either. Very F- true. Famous, famous uh, uh, G-Man Choi just hitting tanks off him. That's uh, right. Multiple times is always going to live in uh, some Yankee fans' memories. That's right. That's right. And then um, White Sox, Astros, who do you got in that series? So the White Sox... I feel like have been looking forward to the postseason all you know the whole season. Their starting rotation is looks deadly on paper. Their batting order is definitely very deadly. I just think the Astros are the superior team in my book. I think the Astros are the best offense in baseball. Yuli Gurriel is the American League batting champion. He's your fifth batter. That's kind of weird. Carlos Correa Travis was my third MVP pick. Yep. He's probably your sixth or seventh somewhere around there. Yep. He's yep. there like. Sixth hitter, I believe. Yep. Yeah, he's a sixth yep. hitter. Um, I just think they just go. There's too many guys deep. You know, 
leading off with uh, Altuve. Jose Altuve, yeah. a bit of a breakout, a bounce back year from last year. Michael Brantley, uh, Jordan Bregman, you go down the list. I just think they're the bats are too strong. I think that they will overmatch uh, Lynn. I think they'll overmatch Keiko, Gilito, Dylan Cease. I mean, the pitching is very good for the White Sox. No, no Rodon. I don't think they necessarily get to. Rod- I'm just too high on Rodon. <laughs> I'm not gonna say they're gonna get to Rodon, um, but I just think that the Astros pitching is gonna do its job. Mm-hmm. Luis Garcia, the rookie, had an amazing year for a rookie. McCullers was awesome. McCullers, I have some stats on McCullers. Um, he, I think he led baseball in OPS against, or at least the American League in OPS against, okay. which is no one's talking about him for the Scion conversation, and no he he doesn't deserve top five necessarily, but. Um, I think he just walked too many guys this season, so I think he could be a sneaky pick for a big award next year. Write that down, folks. But um, <laughs> uh, I think Vegas will, will hear from me uh, in the offseason. But uh, all I'll say is McCullers, Grinky, Luis Garcia, Framer Valdez, that kind of squad can get you, I believe, to a pennant. Um, it's going to come down to you know getting it done against a great White Sox offense. I think that the Astros are a superior team. Um, I'll tell you one thing for sure. The Angels have fared better against the White Sox than the Astros when we've played both. We've done pretty well against the White Sox, all things considered. Really and against the Astros, we continually get our butts kicked. Um, I think that they're just the most legit team. And the White Sox have not had an amazing second half. So I'm big favor Astros. Travis, Please tell me what you think between Yankees, Rays, and then go on to Astros versus White Sox. I'll, I'll actually start with uh, White Sox, Astros. I think, of course, Astros. I think Astros, honestly, in four. Um, I think that uh, best lineup probably in ba- could be in baseball. I mean, just so many, so many deadly weapons for that lineup. Rotation, very, very good. Bullpen, very, very good. You got Presley. You got Graveman. You got great guys in the bullpen coming out. So... I think Astros get that series. I think the White Sox, like you said, have just been bored. They won this division in July. Yeah. And they've just been on cruise control. Um, not really playing. I think they actually lost the series to the Tigers this last weekend, just kind of just playing baseball. I mean, just going out there and, and, and playing baseball. Um, they have deadly weapons, but I just think Astros will get it done. They have the experience. They'll get it done um, in that series. The Yankees raise. I actually have the Yankees. Okay. I have Yankees. I think they're going to be winning in uh, five. I think Yankees have that series. I think they they I think they remember last year. I think they definitely can kind of get things kind of settled and play quality baseball in a five game series. Um, I don't think it's going to be um, pretty. I don't think it's going to be pretty baseball, but I think that they get the job done in five games against the Rays. I don't know. I don't know if the Rays have their rookie pitchers can really. Prove it in the playoffs. I mean, playoffs are a different monster. And I mean, if you have a guy like McClanahan or 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 uh, or Boz, you know, pitching at Yankee Stadium in October, things change. You know, you have a different atmosphere that you're playing in. So, um, I have Yankees in five uh, playing the Astros in the ALCS. But on the other side, Alex, we'll we'll start at the NL uh, or go back to the NL, um, and I'll give you my picks for that one. Um, Dodgers at Giants. Um, that game, that that series, I I am really confident that's going to go five. In my opinion, that's going to go five, and the Dodgers will probably take that series um, from the Giants. So that's my prediction from that NLDS, and then we have the Braves and the Brewers. I think the most exciting series in the all playoffs. I am so excited for this series because the Brewers have the pitching, and the Braves have 
in my opinion, the hitting. They have just tremendous hitting. I mean, you have Freddie Freeman, Duvall, all these great guys. Like you said, you literally created Acuna through four players. Um, great matchups for righties and lefties and all that stuff. But um, that series, I will actually have the Brewers winning that series. Um, you know, it, it's always rough to say how many games. I'll probably say four games. But I think it's going to be a very, very good series. I mean, Morton, Freed, Ian Anderson against Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. I mean, those are just pitching nightmares for any, you know, series to face. So I think that will be um, a Brewers win in four games, and they'll probably go on to play the Dodgers in the um, championship series. Who do you got for the NL side for the for the division series? So, so I'll start with uh, Dodgers-Giants like you did. Um, the Dodgers, I like I said, I think they're the real deal. I think they win the wild card game. I think the Giants get the best of them in the division series. Uh, I think the Dodgers... I'll pray for that. I, I think the Dodgers are, uh, quote-unquote, the most talented team in baseball, the best team. I don't know how you want to word it, but considering their injuries, they still had 106 wins. Um, they had a lot of confusion in the middle of the season, and they still ended up being just one of the best teams. The talent is, I think, superior to any other team in baseball. I just think the Gi- I think there's just a mental block with them and the Giants this season. The Giants just have something working this year. Um, I'm not sure if Belt's going to be playing, which for me was kind of a big deal because he was their two-hitter for a long time, the first baseman. I know he's going to miss some time. I'm not sure when he's coming back. Um, but the fact that Muncy's now out too, it almost cancels it out. So, Or if anything, it hurts the Dodgers, even, true. hurts the Dodgers even more. So I'm going to be leaning towards Giants, and um, I just think there's a bit of a mental block there with the Dodgers. I think the Giants come up in the big spots. Um, they've done it constantly throughout... I, I can't tell you how many extra inning games we've seen them win. Or ninth inning, bases loaded. They get the clutch base hit with two outs. It keeps happening their way. And I don't think they're going to run short quite yet. So I have Giants in that series. I could see five games like you. Um, it's hard to say. Yeah, and, and one thing I will bring up too, because it's going to be interesting. Game one, if they get to that series, you know, you're looking at Gosman against Bueller. And, you know, the winner of that game can really control the series because you still have Scherzer resting. But then you look at game two. I don't know if the Giants would go Webb or DiSclefani. But, you know, you're facing Julio Rios, who had a great year. But I don't know if he is, um, you know, worthy of a good start in the playoffs. I don't know if he started a game last year in the playoffs. I can't really remember, but I know. I think he did, he but did. his best work was obviously closing those games. Of course, or the relief was always uh, his strong suit. So that will, of course, be a big test for him. And then does Scherzer go game three? Is he able to go game three or does he go game four? Um, I don't know, and and yeah. you, you go Gonsolin. I mean, Gonsolin would be kind of a, I most I think most Dodger fans would really not like that matchup. You know, Gonsolin against Disclafani or uh, you know Webb. So sure. um, really interesting. But then of course you have Serger game go game four at Dodger Stadium, um, and then game five could be you know anybody's ball game um, for that one. So all hands on um, deck for sure. Yeah, but. It, it really really interesting series. I could see even Gosman. Gosman goes game one. He can go game five. You know they they'll need that one um, for that series, but. Um, that series, you have you have Giants winning. Um, who do you have in the Braves Brewers? So Brave Brewers, like you said, it's gonna be pitching versus bats. I think it's the Brewers' time to shine. I'm gonna lean Brewers. Um, I'm just kind of low on the Braves this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 ended up running with the division towards the end of the you know last month of the season, but um, I think the Brewers, they've been kind of coasting like. The White Sox, but I feel like in a more 
comfortable, confident way. Okay. Um, losing Devin Williams is a big deal. Um, unfortunately, you know, punching a wall or whatever happened <laughs> after the champagne <laughs> yeah. party is yeah. not what you want to see if you're a Brewers fan. But I think there's enough talent around both the starting and bullpen uh, pitching. I think it's just too good to kind of all choke now. Of course, it's possible. Burns, Peralta, Woodruff, they can all have a stinker. Who knows? But I think just looking at the numbers, they're just built for great pitching in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. and the bats should be good enough to get it done. Um, I think that they'll have at least one game where they score seven or eight runs because they have these random games where they'll just drop ten runs on, like, the Cubs or whoever it may be. You know, you see that all the time. Yelich has that spontaneous three-run homer, you know, that that we we, we want. And the acquisitions of, of course, Willie Adames, Eduardo Escobar, these bats are going to, I think, uh, prove to be a difference in some of these series. So I'm going to go Brewers and Giants as the division series winners for me. Okay, okay. And then we'll, we'll uh, let's actually jump into a little bit of excitement. I know we'll cover this later on throughout the playoffs go, but um, I know today me and you both filled out our playoff bracket, you know, yeah. basically our predictions. So those are the four teams that I had moving to the championship series. Um, for you, you had Rays against the Astros in the ALCS. Who do you see in that series, in that seven-game series? So it's a rematch of the ALCS from last year, of course. The 2020 ALCS rematch. I am going to say this time the Astros come out with it. Um, Both teams look quite a bit different, actually. Obviously, the Astros lost Springer. Um, You know, Granke's not quite the same as he was last year, but you're adding in the rookie like Luis Garcia to kind of pick up some of that slack. Um, And obviously, the pitching staff is completely different for the Rays. I just think that the Astros, um, I just think that they, you know, play some of the best baseball. I've been high on them all year. I've had them like my second or third power rank team almost the whole season. So I'm definitely not giving up on them now. I think that they probably win maybe six or seven. Uh, I think Correa, I think Altuve, uh, Jordan. I feel like Jordan's one guy who's never had like a monster, monster series. He, he could be due for something like that. Um, who knows, like big poppy-esque almost. Who knows, like just a big lefty true. In, a, in, in a stacked lineup. I could also see, you know, I think Bregman is also a guy who has, you know, when you think of a monster series from the Astros, you think of maybe Altuve or Springer. I think Bregman could be due for something big. Um, Brantley is always one of the most low-key hitters in baseball. I guess the job done. Um, and like I said, I think the pitching is good enough to get them through it. Like you highlight some great bullpen arms, Presley, Graveman, the list goes on. Um, the Rays are a great team, though. So if they won, I would not be surprised at all. I just like the way the Astros are doing things, I guess. I think their their lineup is going to carry them to the World Series. Very good, very good. And I um, I had the Astros playing the Yankees. Yep. Um, but I had the same outcome as you. Astros, okay. in my opinion, um, they're, they're strong. And they I still think they are still telling the fans and the world, we still have something to prove. We still have to win a World Series and show them that, hey, you know what? So we can shut you guys up pretty we much. Can, That's what they're thinking. Exactly, exactly. And I'm all for that. I mean, I'm all for that. Go out there and shut everybody up. Shut all of LA up. <laughs> shut every shut every Yankee fan up, too, and just go out there and win in a, in, a, in a season like this. They'll probably still say they're cheating, but go out there and win a season like this. Um, and yeah, and just and shut up all the critics. But I have Astros taking it to the Yankees probably relatively easy. Um, I think that they could probably win that in five games. Um, I just think the Astros are just so powerful. Um, like you said, I'm, I'm very high on them as well. But um, moving to the NLCS. So you had Giants hosting the Brewers, the one seed and the two seed. Tell me how that series goes. So it's tough. It's tough. Um, 
it, there's a lot of ways it can go because it feels like in a way it's like the Giants' year for their um, if things are going their way this year, I'll say it. And 107 wins is hard to argue with, but Brewers pitching is dominant. I guess at the end of the day, I think this is just the Giants' year for their magical, you know, run. It feel like it happened in 2010, 2012, 2014 when they won the World Series. All those years, it kind of felt like it was their year. Things were clicking their way. I do really like this Brewers team, and I think that they should have their sights on the World Series. Um, I just don't know if, you know, if things especially they have to wake up at the plate, I think. Um, their bats are great, you know, in, in some ways, but I think if Yelich has to become like an MVP kind of guy for them to win a series like this, um, I think that, you know, the Giants are definitely going to be a tough beat at Oracle um, in San Fran. I know the fans are going to be, you know, waiting for this moment. So I'm definitely leaning Giants, um, but it's definitely a tough pick because I'm having a lot of trouble betting against a rotation that shows Burns, Woodruff, Peralta in a seven-game series. You're going to see all three of those guys. Um, you know, you're going to see a couple of them multiple times. So um, I'm just kind of leaning towards the Giants' magical run. But, um, you know, the NL is, it feels like it's almost a toss-up for me. Good, good. I mean, I, so yeah, I think in my, in my bracket, I saw Dodgers going to the Brewers um, in that series. A rematch of the 2018 NLCS. Um, but in that series, I have actually the Brewers uh, taking care of business at um, hosting the Dodgers. So I, I was big on them since their pitching staff pretty much showed me how good they are. Um, I'm just a huge, huge critic. Pitching and defense will win you a championship. I'm just a huge believer. I feel like I've seen it too much. Um, offense will take care of itself. Uh, and I think the Brewers' offense will find a way. They have, I think, Willie Adamas could be a huge piece. He has the um, World Series postseason experience with the Rays. And I think he could be a huge piece this, this postseason. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I really like what the Brewers are doing. And I think that they get to the World Series this year. First World Series since, I think, 82. So I think this year um, my matchup will be Brewers-Astros World Series, which would be a really cool World Series to see because you literally have the tails of two different teams, the pitching and then the hitting, and that would just be a great matchup. Almost like 2019, the Nationals had the pitching and they had um, and the Astros had the hitting, of course. But um, So you see right now Giants-Astros uh, World Series. Yeah. And that's very interesting because I think that would drive – a Dodger fan so damn crazy <laughs> who, who they root for? that it they would probably be riding the streets for whoever won. I mean, they would, it, it, that, that'd be a very fun matchup to see. But in that series, Alex, very shortly, who do you have? What's your take on that World Series? Giants, Astros. Is it actually, is the bracket that you filled out today, did you put those two teams in? Yes, I picked okay. Astros beating the Giants in the World Series. Okay. That was my pick. Um, yeah, I just, I'm just a big Astros here. I think that the Astros are the real deal. They had one of their worst showings in 2020, and they were one, uh, one good inning away from being in the World Series um, against the Dodgers, which would have been a story, would have been a, a historic, uh, you know, such a high viewed uh, awesome World, one, yeah. World Series. But um, this year, I think against a Giants team who is proving to be very good, but I think Astros actually would do out. They outdo them in the star power. And I don't think the pitching is that that different. I think comparing a Framber Valdez to like a uh, 
a Kevin Gausman type is not that dissimilar. Definitely. I think that Adi Sclafani compared to like Luis Garcia is not that dissimilar. I think that a McCullers is as good as I think I'm a a peak McCullers is as good as any pitcher on the Giants. Um, I think the, and I think the lineup the lineup does favor the Astros. So if that matchup does happen, I would be betting on the Astros. Um, however, like I said, it feels like the Giants just have a magic about them this year where they just win games. They find ways to win games. So, um, you know, my pick is Astros, but I'm not I'm not going to doubt the Giants for one second. Yeah, and, and it's funny because you say that the Astros, of course, having so much postseason experience. Same with the Giants. I mean, Crawford, Posey, Belt. They they were the kings of they have, the early. They have rings. They ten years ago they were the, yeah they were the kings of of, of the NL of, of, of baseball because they just just went on such magical runs. And you're adding in Longoria and other types as well that are going to help. Exactly, exactly. And so, um, but for me, of course, um, Brewers, Astros, World Series. Astros are taking it. Yeah. <laughs> I you know I mean you're right I I just don't see the Astros tanking. I don't know. I, I just see them being so star-powered. Kyle Tucker, who is just a great player. He's like is, their seventh hitter. Is their seventh or sixth hitter. I mean, come on. I mean, they have a great lineup. I know pitching and defense wins, but sometimes home runs win a lot too. They have a great rotation. They have a great bullpen, so I'm not counting that out at all. I think the Brewers have a better starting rotation. Of course. But yeah. I think, of course, it gets to them, and I think that... Astros will be um, victorious at the end of October, early November, maybe. But and I think part of this comes down to Travis. We both are Angels fans. We play the Astros a lot, and they kick butt in our division. They do. They, they do. really just kick butt. Um, I mean, I mean, we watch backup players kick butt against us. Yeah. I mean, we we have been spanked by Siri and Diaz. Yeah. You know, these guys I never even heard of, and it's just like, really, we can't even we can't do anything about that. And it, it, you know, you still didn't have your starting players out there, so. Um, Interesting that we, we both have the Astros, you know, riding high in, in October. And um, they've just been so comfortable in October. I mean, last year they were going in just, I mean, I feel like they were going in as like the complete losers of the of the, of the the season. Right. Below, Tw- below a 500 uh, winning percentage. Yeah, playing the Twins who are good, but, you know, not a very good postseason team. And they just Astros, take care of business. Astros kicked it into postseason mode. And, and like you said, they took care of business. Um, that wraps it up, Travis. I mean, I'm excited for the 2021 postseason to kick off tomorrow. Or in your mind, it kicks off on the weekend, but you know, it kicks off on Thursday. Thursday in, yeah. in my mind, you know, the wild card round, uh, if you made it that far, you, it's no longer the season, so I'll call it the postseason. Uh, a lot of things I'm excited, it's gonna be very eventful. Um, I did see some action on Twitter today talking about um, a lot of the really, really good teams that win it usually have imagine like a, a starting pitcher that ends up being. Uh, a utility kind of pitcher does bullpen work yeah like Urias last year for the Dodgers and someone was actually saying on Twitter that uh, Shane Baz on the on the praise oh, is their pick to do something like that and I was I was kind of doing some thoughts about which teams have guys that would be really good in that role you can almost see like a Luis Garcia doing work out of a bullpen for the Astros um, Kopech is a great pick for the White Sox to do something similar and I know they have um, I think it's uh, Javier as well. Oh, Christian Javier, yes. And, and he was Astros. a starter who was a great starter, and he was doing a lot of bullpen work. Um, same with Urquidy. I mean, guys that literally could just throw gas coming out of the bullpen for a couple innings. Um, and it seems like that is almost a key that a lot of World Series winners do have. Definitely. I know uh, Patrick Corbin, of course, was a big part of the 2019 Nationals win. He did work out of the bullpen. Um, Chris Sale got the save. Very true. In 2018 uh, World Series uh, the final game. McCullers. 
McCullers in 17. So it's know? a trend, right? We it, you're right. You're right. So I was just kind of thinking about the way that some of the really good teams could handle this, and I could really see um, a team like the Astros using some of those guys they have in the bullpen. So, so White true. Sox in the bullpen. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. A lot of fun stuff is going to happen this next week. So next week for you guys, hopefully we can recap the division series that happened. If some are still going on, we'll be able to uh, you know, touch base with what's happening, and we can give our predictions on any ALCS, NLCS action that, you know, if any matchups are already locked in, we'll dive deep into those. But um, this was a long one, Travis. Probably the longest one, but it, it was... It was, uh... it was it was it was action-packed, hopefully. And uh, if you are still listening, we really appreciate that because you're a trooper. This might be a couple days' worth, but yeah, hopefully you get this in by tomorrow for the, uh, for the first game of the wild card. And so, yeah, folks, uh, if you're listening at home, we appreciate you so much. Give us a follow, give us a like, whatever it may be, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>